Hi, this is Kane Hodder, Victor Crowley, Jason from Friday the 13th. You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. station of decapitation without your head. I am Nasty Neil. That would make me terrible, Troy. And Treacherous Trista. The return of Treacherous Trista. It's good to Welcome have you back. back. Yes. Thank you. Happy to be back. Excellent. And we're joined by screenwriter Jason X and My Bloody Valentine and Drive Angry Trick and all kinds of cool stuff. Todd Farmer, it's very cool to have you here. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. And what a great opening, by the way. I, I love and have had sex with most of the people in that. Oh, really? <laughs> I just paused it when we got to Greasy Strangler Month, so that's very exciting. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, there's wait. even more to that. But. So this is called Without Without Your Head? Without Your Head, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, do I have to go? Do I have to leave? Oh. <laughs> I, have my... no, I think it's very oh. fitting. <laughs> yep. right, fine. Well, look, I'm going to... I'm going to put this on this guy because <laughs> <laughs> looks better that way. Yeah. I need one of those myself. All right. So how are you guys doing? I'm good. All as well. Yeah. So only one of you is in threat of fire? Imminently. Yeah. I don't, you know. Troy's smoking, though, so I guess you never know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anything could happen. That's true. It's weird times. So is the, is the sky red where you got where you guys are? I only see pictures. I, I just I, I don't know. It's not red here, but it's 
kind of overcast here, but I'm down by the ocean. I'm overcast, but it's very smoky. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have like a blood orange sky or like a bright orange sky. Right. Yeah, it's strange. It's weird times. Weird world that we live in. It is. I'll myself some coffee. Oh, I was going to make coffee, but I, I didn't uh, quite have time. Uh, I was the only one French press. Now I'm, I'm very. No, uh, it feels like coffee time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm still going to make some. No, no. <laughs> so, what I want to know is like, so you're, we'll talk about all kinds of stuff, but. Absolutely. Your first movie, your first script that becomes a movie is Jason X. I mean, that's gotta, that's gotta that be pretty, pretty big. Like, you know, your the first movie that you're getting made is a Jason Voorhees movie, Friday Thirteenth. Jason movie. Voorhees movie where he was here and I put him up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that all about? Yeah, I did that. Sorry. Yeah. How'd that all come about? How does like you know, uh, you don't have a, a a feature film before that, and they're like, hey, no. well, I started. Movie? I started working for Cunningham and I had been there about three years and the whole time that I was there, Freddy versus Jason was in development and it had gone through, probably went through four or five writers since I had been there and he was frustrated and he was like, let's just do a Jason movie. So we all got together. Uh, Jim Isaac drove down and we jumped in a room and started talking about ideas and we talked about so many horrible ideas (laughs) (laughs) And, and so we ended up with the worst. (laughs) <laughs> very good very good that's always my plan yeah, that's my mom yeah but the what were some of the bad ones that that didn't get made i mean we talked about jason in the hood we talked about uh somebody grabbing jason putting him in a plane and dropping him in the middle of the middle east uh like the military <laughs> right, he's like rambo yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was one uh there was one suggestion that we uh that we talked about him escaping from hell because Jason goes to hell came first. And uh, we talked about, um, he escapes from hell with the help of Gilbert Godfrey and <laughs> um, a, a, a couple of comedians. I thought you said terrible Why ideas. wasn't that? Yeah. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I know, right. I mean, Jason can... follow me. Let's get out of here. <laughs> the best. So we couldn't have made that then, but now we could make that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Still time to do this. I love. I would like to think so. You talk about escaping hell. Was that was that like a guideline? All like we have to think of a way to continue the last one, or did you just I mean, come up like? We'll just... I like I like the idea of that because you know I want to. I like the whole. I like the idea that each each movie sort of ties into the next movie, but they're all yeah. completely unique and different. But um, the worry was we didn't know what Freddy versus Jason was going to do. So how do we? Um, how do you not step on their toes? How do you not screw up what they're going to do? I mean, they may do something and we, we start. So anyway, I, I, it was my idea to let's move into the future so that whatever That's they, interesting. Do, they do. Yeah. Cause then it doesn't interfere. It's its own no. separate time. It's uh, so that was unless, unless Jason versus Freddie is even further into the future, I guess. Which that would be their fault for not letting us know. <laughs> right. So who first like pitches the idea? Let's you know you said you put in the future, but like when did you think like let's actually put them in space? Well, I pitched more of a, a Blade Runner type of thing. So it was you know it's in the future, it's three four hundred years in the future, and somebody finds this guy frozen, cryogenically frozen, and and he gets loose. And um, the um, everyone involved was like that's too expensive. We can't do that because I kept talking about Blade Runner. And I said, okay, well, let's do Alien because Alien is just it's just a dark ship. We could do that. And so that's where that's actually where it came from. It wasn't 
there wasn't a lot of genius behind it. But it works. And I remember even, it was either Ebert or Cisco because they were notorious for not liking the uh, no, Friday they, 13th. Yeah, they were, but they, they did were, like the set. They did one of them liked the setup to uh, really. I yeah, to Jason X. They wow. said it was actually an interesting setup that he was like for uh, Frozen. I don't hey. think they still like the movie. But. No, they hated the movie. But that's I didn't know that. That's oh, I feel like like yeah, that is partially really vindicated. Take any but I mean, I grew up watching Cisco and Ebert, but it is funny to go back and watch them because, like, yeah. they get really upset, like, over movies like Oh yeah, Mimia Slashers. I remember watching, I think it was part four, and they talked about, like, this is, like, how this is going to, like, uh, ruin, like, people's childhood and, like, a whole generation of people will <laughs> think this is, like, what life is about. And I'm like, no one's watching Friday 13th, 4th, 4th, thinking, like, this is what my life's going to be. <laughs> I hope not. Anyway. Wow. You probably have other issues if that's what you're if, – if that's, if, if that's your big issue, you've got problems. Yeah. So I assume you were a Friday Thirteenth fan before getting involved. Yeah, I, I mean, I was deb- well, yeah, but you know, hate me or, or love me, I, I definitely loved Halloween. That friend, I loved Halloween the movie better because that was I, it was one. Of, I think it was the first horror movie I actually saw. Um, I mean, if you don't count Jaws, Halloween was the first movie I saw, and so that impacted me quite a bit because that changed, you know, how I thought about movies, how I thought about everything. And then what I liked about Friday the 13th is that each movie was completely unique. Like, I love that the first movie, the killer is completely different from the second movie. And the third movie, it's in 3D. And you just keep going, and it's, it's, they're all completely unique. And it's not just the same story over and over. It's so that, you know, Jason ends up fight, fighting Carrie. I mean, come on. <laughs> My going to space wasn't that crazy. Right, yeah. I mean, he go, he turns into a little kid in part eight, and then he goes to hell in nine. Yeah. So they never I mean, explain I, how he, he becomes an adult again for me tonight. No, no, absolutely not. So, but you know, um, nuclear waste. That's my one problem with the whole franchise. Is is the little boy being being drowning in, in liquid waste? All right. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. So, what is it just about horror itself that like interested you? It's, um, I mean, quite honestly, in the beginning, that's just how you started. That's, that was the stepping stone. I don't think I appreciated what horror was until years later. It was, when, you, when we started out, there were only a couple of places that were making scary movies. It was Dimension and New Line, and that was pretty much it. There were a couple of people on the outside, but everybody else thought horror was stupid. Like, you couldn't go pitch a horror movie to Universal, even though they had all the old Universal monsters. So it was a weird time, and then and then Scream came out. Everything changed suddenly because Scream opened at like six million, six some six point something million, and then the next week it made eleven million, and the next week it made more, and suddenly everybody was paying attention to horror, and that had never that never happened before. So suddenly Universal had their own genre department, and so did everyone had it. So suddenly everybody's making horror movies, and so it was just sort of the thing to do, but. Uh, down down the line i realized that horror it it's got everything horror's got comedy horror's got romance horror's got i mean you go see a romantic comedy you're not going to have any horror in it right. you go see you know, you know so it's like every genre was inside a horror and so that's what made it so lovely because you could write everything inside one film and so i liked that I and mean, i still like that today mm-hmm. so that's you 
other than you mentioned Universal, that's even true, like, uh, recently when they were doing their the Dark Universe. Like, the idea was they were going to make action movies instead of, yeah. you know, horror movies. And, yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it didn't work out. No, it did not work out for them. Although, I guess now they've joined with Blumhouse, which obviously Blumhouse knows how to do horror. And so, yeah, yeah, things are working yeah, a little yeah, better because yeah. Invisible Man was fantastic. Yeah, it was definitely a step up from uh, from the last couple. Of, uh, the Mummy with uh, the Mummy was was not that was not the best work that they did. <laughs> no, or that Dracula one either. No, Dracula, but uh, yeah, Dracula wasn't wasn't uh, yeah wasn't as lovely either. Bless its heart. Yeah. Uh, how did how did uh, how did it come about that Cronenberg has, you know, plays the doctor in Jason X? Well, because Jimmy Jimmy Isaac Jim Isaac had done all of Cronenberg. Wait, well, all of them, but he'd done a lot of the effects for Cronenberg, and so he reached out to uh, reached out to him to say, "Can we? Can I use your effects team?" And Cronenberg said, "Yeah, yeah, but I want to be in the movie." So it wasn't our idea; it was his idea. He he wanted to be in the movie, and so. That's pretty wild. What, what do you say to that? No, no, you, no, you can't. Yeah, you're not right for the role. Yeah. And he, uh, and of course, he rewrote all of his lines. And I'm like, oh, really? Everybody was like, you know, Cronenberg rewriting all his lines. And I was like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want him frozen. I want him soft. That's not me. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I love it, though. That's pretty. That, I mean, it, it, you wouldn't expect like Cronenberg is, a, is the kind of guy that would be like, I want to be in the Jason movie. I think that's pretty awesome, though. No, I mean, but he really, I mean, he did actually love the genre. If you go back and look at his movies, The Fly and everything, I mean, the man was always pushing the envelope as far as horror was concerned. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, besides the Cronenberg uh, lines, uh, how how different was Jason X that got made from what you wrote? Or how much similar was it? It was the, the original, two things. The original was a lot, was bigger. We had uh, there was a sequence where when the when the students show up to to and they find Jason they sort of set off these countermeasures so these robotic spiders basically came out of the wall they were they were um, sort of the um, the nanotechnology kind of kind of stuff and so they have guns and shit coming out of the top of them and so uh, Deluca who had done Lost in Space and Lost in Space has this sequence where there's a bunch of robotic spiders or and he was like you know what that was a that was a nightmare get rid of that. So we're like, okay. And then we had a zero G scene, which was, you know, Jason floating around in the cargo bay with all the kids and which is a good scene, but they were like, it's too expensive to shoot. So that changed the expense. And then the other change was it was a darker movie. It was a lot more like alien or aliens. It wasn't as jokey. There wasn't, it wasn't a, because when scream came along, it changed everything because the humor in scream, everyone, everyone was like, well, we got to be more like scream. And I was like, no, 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 you actually don't. That's great. The scream is out there, but we could be our own thing. But so, you know, I argued for a while and then I just accepted it and wrote, he's screwed as a dude twirls <laughs> down. <and> screwed. <laughs> and uh, what I think is interesting too, is like, um, even though it's in outer space and you're taking Jason, like out of, out of the, out of the camp, uh, the movie is still set up similarly to a uh, Friday Thirteenth movie, where it's all almost all young adults, uh, yeah. p- kind of partying, having you know premarital sex, and then he's still going right. around killing them. I mean, that was always that was always a concept from the beginning. It was to uh, to you know do our our homage to all the other movies, but set it in space. Yeah, had you acted before? Just uh, just in high school, high school, college, just you know, theater. That kind of stuff. They said, "Do you want to, you know, do you want to play a part?" And I was like, "Yeah." I mean, 
why wouldn't I? Right. Well, I chose Dallas because he was the biggest grunt. <laughs> he had the biggest part. Huh? Sorry, I thought Joe. you were going to fight with Cronenberg. You're like, no, I'm playing the doctor, buddy. <laughs> out of here. That would have been. That would have been. I wish I'd thought of that. Right. <laughs> it worked out. No. Yeah. It was fine. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question about uh, about anything? I sure do. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so you kind of glossed over working with Cunningham, but I'm wondering uh, how you got that opportunity and, and what and, and what faculties you were working with him and for him. Um, I first met, I went to college with a guy who dated a girl who was in theater with Dean Laurie in high school. Dean Laurie put Jason in space. So Dean had just written Major Pain with Damon Wayans. And Dean had moved out to Hollywood and he was quite successful. And so my buddy said, why don't you, you know, this guy's doing it. Why don't you do it? And so I reached out to Dean and, uh, and I sent him a script and he read it and he hated it. And uh, so then, um, but he said, you know, you've got a lot of good ideas. So I, I, I can tell he said, you don't have, you don't really know structure, but I can help you with that. But you've got some great ideas. And so he was the one who suggested move out to LA and I moved out to LA and within a month or so, he he introduced me to Sean, and <clears throat> Sean was like, "Well, come come work for me." And so I was making, I think I was making two grand a month, and just I would go drive to Sean's house every day for three years and write whatever Sean wanted written, and uh, that's how I got my start. And so, what's was, your relationship with with Sean like? Because he's a kind of a polarizing guy. He's a, I mean, Sean's the kind of guy where Sean is. He's, an ex- he's very much a father figure. Like he will take you in to his home because that's where it was, was his home. So if you, if you wanted, if you were thirsty, you went into the kitchen to get, you know, to get something to drink. He would feed you all the time. He'd make steaks. He'd make burgers. He was just, he was that kind of guy. But at the same time, he would pull you aside to teach you how the business works. And he was like, this is how you fuck a guy in business. And so then he would tell you things and then he would do that to you the following week. So, that's what was so awesome about it. Like he would say, you never pay a guy before five o'clock on Friday because then the money stays in your account all weekend. And then he would do that. He would not give you the check until after five o'clock. And I was like, dude. <laughs> so it was a weird relationship, but I learned a tremendous amount about how to screw people over. <laughs> all right. Well, I remind myself never to, uh, to, to work with you. <laughs> but uh, he was, he was, but he, he very much was, and still is, I'm sure, to this day. Because we didn't, we didn't really talk after Jason X. We'd been together for three years. And I think we'd gone as far as we could go together. And so, uh, but I mean, I, I have a career because, because right. he you know, gave me a career. And so it was, uh, he took a risk. And, and I guess it paid off because we have Jason X. We birthed a baby together. All right. Uh, in your opinion, what, what what do you think his opinion of, of Jason the character is? Because some people say like he hates Jason. I mean, he didn't he didn't love he loved horror. He started in somewhat started in horror, but he always wanted to go on and do different things. He liked he liked how Wes was able to go off and work with um, Meryl Streep. I mean, he liked because he and Wes were buddies in the beginning, and. Um, I think he always wanted to do that. So he wanted, so when I was there for the first three years, he was, it was very, uh, we worked on courtroom dramas. We worked on, you know, delinquent kids in Spanish Harlem. It was anything but horror. And so, 
But when it came time to work on it, I mean, he was very involved. It wasn't that it wasn't that he didn't. I mean, I never got the sense that he didn't like horror. I know he wanted to do other things. And I understand that having done horror for a long time, the couple of opportunities where I've written something else, it's been nice to just to just as a as a writer, just to express yourself differently. But um, I don't know that he ever if he ever hated it. Um, but he certainly um, he certainly was there every single day. He had lots of comments. He was always inside the script, making changes here and there. I mean, he was very much a part of the process. So. Uh, did you have much interaction with Kane Hodder? Yeah, I mean, you know, he threw me around a little bit. He's good at that. I read his book. Did he pee in your stuff or, or anything? Because that's a big part of uh, Kane. Well, I mean, there are things here that still smell a little funny, and I've wondered why. Uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, what, the, the most interesting thing about Kane is that he's a stuntman first. Right. And, you know, he's he had this horrible accident where he was burned all over a majority of his body. And when it came to being like when it came like i had a scene where he you know pushes my head into the wall and it's 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 a violent scene you push it in and and he wouldn't let me do he wouldn't let me do that first shot and the shot is it's a it's a you're far away and you see him walking up and he slams the the head into the wall so he wouldn't let me do it because he's afraid there's a hole they cut a hole in the wall and it's covered with this rubber plastic and and he was like no 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 we're going to bring a guy in to do that and i was like but, but I can do that. And so I don't know if you remember in uh, X-Men, in the beginning of X-Men, Wolverine is fighting this big bald dude in the cage. And that's the dude that they brought in because he's a stuntman. And so they brought that guy in, they dress him like me, and they, they and Kane, and what, what's interesting is Kane puts his hand on the back of your head, but you're doing the action. Like he's not shoving you, he's not doing any of that because he's like, you, you, you do it all. And so, so I'm standing in the back and, I, and they do the scene and I hear this crack it's because the guy missed the hole and he hit this two by four and just crushed his nose, just exploded. And so, and then Kane was like, see, see, I told you. And so I was like, all right, fine. So then I do the close up shot. And it's funny because Kane's like, look, my hand's going to be right there, but you're doing it. So the harder you hit that hole, the better it's going to look, but don't miss. <laughs> okay. And so I didn't, I hit the hole as I should have. Mm-hmm. As it was my top. But, I mean, he was always – that's the thing that was kind of fascinating because he was always very professional. And so, you you know, he's the guy who he peels his lip down. He's got kill tattooed on the inside. He's all – you know, he's grunting and growling before every scene. But when it came to your safety, he was, like, not the killer at all. He was very professional. It was, it was, a, it was a weird dynamic. It was something a lot of people weren't used to. Mm-hmm. I know another – Was he the stunt coordinator on that? Sorry, Neil. No, no, no. He, he wasn't the stunt coordinator. But uh, but that didn't matter because he in, he was always a stunt coordinator in his head, so he was going to do his thing. Interesting. Uh, I was just going to say, I know like um, in some of his movies, he doesn't like the the cast to see him like in character until he's on set, or you out of character until he's in character on set. Was he like that on Jason X? Not not to my not to my memory. No, I mean he was he was around the whole time. He would he would do he would do the grunting thing and the growling and the screaming thing right before he would shoot. And he was, I remember, a lot of people would think what this next part is kind of a princess or a prima donna. Not at all. He had this thing where there was a scene where when he fights the robot, the KM character, he gets knocked down. He gets shot and knocked down. And there was a scene where he gets back up. And Kane was like, no. He's like, you don't see Jason get back up. And we were like, what? Because <laughs> it never even occurred to us. And he's like, 
it's it's an awkward move. It's not it's not threatening. It's it's human. You don't you never see him get up. And I was like, because it made perfect sense to me. I was like, oh, that's that's brilliant. I'd never thought of that. But he wouldn't let us shoot the scene where he gets up. Cut <laughs> back to him, and here he is walking again. Yeah, and that's the way we did it. And he was right. See, that's interesting because uh, some of this stuck with me once at a. Um a convention I was at with Kane, and Kane said that uh, you know he was let down when they picked someone else to play Jason in uh, in Freddy vs. Jason. But it wasn't just the money stuff. He said one of the things he said was uh, somebody who didn't love the character like he did. And I was like, it, you could tell he really meant it, and that you know the Jason character to him is more than just you know the the money of playing the role. It was something that he uh, he cares a lot about. And I think what you said there. Yeah. Uh, really shows that it's something he he thinks about the character no he absolutely cares about the character and he he was i remember we had a, it, i don't remember how many years exactly but if you go to jason goes to hell and jason x there's a tremendous number of years there and in the in the middle of all that freddie versus jason goes into development but kane was the only one keeping the franchise alive he was going to circuits he was going to conventions and he was the one out there talking about jason talking about the next movie and very excited about it. I feel like, plus, you know, you, Freddie and Jason, I mean, you had those two iconic actors. Granted, he wasn't Jason through the whole stretch, like, say, Robert was with Freddie. But, you know, he had been he had been Jason more than anyone else. And uh, it just seemed like the right matchup to see those two together. So it was, it was an odd choice, I thought, for them to go that route. I noticed watching Jason X again, you know, in the opening credits, it says Anne Kane Hodder as Jason. I don't know if it's it really says that in a lot of the, the Friday the 13th movies. You know who plays Jason. I'm yeah. not in the end credits, but I don't think it really does so much in the opening credits. I don't know if it does. Actually, I've never looked. I mean, but that would make sense. I mean, he was very much – He. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he was Jason. Look, I'm, I'm best friends with, with Derek Mears, and Derek Mears is an incredible Jason. But Kane – I mean, Kane – there would be no Derek Mears without Kane. Kane is the one who kept the franchise alive. And, um, and I, I mean, I think he gets the credit for that. I, I believe he, he does. does yeah. Which is a good thing. He should. Yeah. Probably a lot of it, uh, some of it is like uh, you said, the conventions. And so, you know, it was the time, the time was right there. He's playing Jason when the conventions, you know, start to be a thing. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, back in the day, they weren't really, the, it was hard to, you know, um, to find out who played a lot of the characters, you know, pre-internet. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I remember before, because Jason X sat on the shelf forever. And I remember we did a Fango convention and Kane was there and Kane was going to go up on stage. And unless I'm mistaken, he said, won't you come up with me? Which normally in narcissistic Hollywood, you would never share the spotlight with anyone, but he was. And so we went up together and I just sat next to him and I answered a couple of questions. And But I'm the writer. Nobody gives a crap about me. Everybody wanted to hear from him. He brought me up there with him. So Kane was he was a special guy. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. Talking talking about him like he's dead. He's <laughs> out there killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had him on actually recently, so, a couple weeks ago, and Derek Mears too, who I uh, you popped up in uh, in their movie uh, Compound Fracture. Compound Fracture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 my head. In your head, exactly. <laughs> my head's been in, my head's been in more movies than most actors have been in. <laughs> I think it's been three three movies now. 
That's the real star of, of the. Uh, of I would the like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tristan, do you have another question? Oh well, I did kind of have. Uh, I I wanted to agree that Kane, especially since he's been through so much, given up so much, and he gives so much to his fans that he really. I mean, and, and lately he's getting into more straight acting. And sorry, my cat is intruding. <laughs> um, he's getting into more straight acting. And when we had him on the show recently, he kept sort of downplaying his right to be an actor. He kept saying, like, I'm a stuntman. I'm not a trained actor. And first of all, the effect that he has on people. Second of all, what he's done to his self, like the contribution that he's given to films. I don't know anyone more qualified to be proud or more deserving to be where he is yeah. than Kane Hodder. Um, but yeah, I did uh, notice that you were in Compound frac Fracture and that you had a special thanks credit. And I was wondering about your relationship with those guys and your experience on the film since we just watched it and just talked to them. I had a, uh, uh, Lucia and I were we're hired to do Halloween three, which was to follow uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween is Halloween two. And so we had, we had, it was very fast. It was, I don't remember. I don't, I don't think I had written the script when this happened, but I ran into um, Tyler Maine's wife, Renee at a convention and we got to talking and, <clears throat> and then later when I went back to LA, I was living about six hours North of LA. And I was on my way home, and I was, and I was going to actually drive by the town where they lived, and so I reached out to them, and they were like, "Oh, we'll stop by," and so I did, and we immediately started drinking, and by four or five hours later, it was clear I was never leaving the house, and uh, so Tyler started saying, "You know, Derek just lives like three blocks down." <laughs> And so we gathered up toilet paper, gathered up the kids, and we went and toilet paper Derek's house. And then, because Tyler was Tyler, we could have just left it as that. Derek comes home, and he's like, what the? And his house is toilet. But no, Tyler then takes a picture of two rolls of toilet paper and a bottle of vodka and, and texts text it to Derek. So when he gets home, he knows we did it. So then Derek shows up at the house, and... I'm sur I'm surprised we all survived the night because there was a lot of alcohol consumption that evening. And and the three of us have been I, I mean, bestest buddies ever since. I mean, we don't see each other that much anymore. Granted we're on lockdown, but but Tyler moved to Atlanta and so we don't see each other that much. But uh, I mean, look, we text and, and goof with each other all the time. So just we're friends. And that's how we became friends. Uh, what happened to uh, that Halloween three? Um, I mean, I think the I think at the end of the day they just didn't have the money. The Weinstein's were not doing well. They had they had and I can't remember which movie it was one of the Tarantino movies that come out, and that movie had helped them. And I don't remember what it was. We have to look look back, but uh, they just didn't have a lot of movie a lot of money. And I know that we wrote we had Drive Angry scheduled to start shooting in January. And so this was the previous year and it was the end of that year. So we had to, we would have to be in production and be out of production by December 25th, by, by Christmas. And so if you go back and do all the math, we had, we had like 10 days to write the script. 
And that's it. Because if we weren't in product, if we weren't in pre-production on that tenth day, we we would never make it. So it was a crazy schedule, and we did it. We had a very detailed outline. Patrick was out there. Gary Tunnicliffe was on board. Gary had found the original Kirk mask, and he was making molds. I mean, all of this stuff was happening. Casting was being hired. Everybody was being hired. I'm writing. 24-7. I mean, I'm, I'm writing, I'm eating, I'm shitting, and I'm, I'm sleeping, and that's it. And it's every single day for eight days. And I, I finished early, and I sent it to Patrick, and Patrick read it. He did a quick pass on it. We sent it to the Weinsteins. And uh, the follow, and that, we sent it to the Weinsteins on a Saturday. The following Monday, they said we can't do it. Now, what's funny is, had we turned it in when we were supposed to turn it in, we wouldn't have gotten paid. I don't remember how this works exactly, because they were going to pull the plug officially, but because we'd already turned it in, they couldn't. So they had to, they had to pay us for the work done. And, uh, but you know, the Weinsteins turned out to be not very trustworthy in many ways. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Did you have much interaction with them personally? I didn't. I mean, Patrick had worked with them a lot because he had, he had, you know, he, from the day he edited scream, he worked with them a lot, but he didn't know. He'd heard rumors. I'd heard rumors. I remember a story that Harvey told about this actress that, and he was like bragging about it, how he got this actress to perform a sex act on him. And I remember thinking, I know what the actress looks like. And I know what you look like. I thought he was lying. I just thought, yeah. I, I, thought I thought he's that, that nerdy guy who says I've had sex with all these girls and, and he hadn't. I, it never occurred to me because my brain doesn't go. It, I just didn't think about the fact that he's using his power to do all this stuff. And then later that actress came out and said, yeah, he did horrible things to me. So it was, um, it was weird. And then, I mean, we made like, even after drive angry came out and didn't do very well, we still went back and worked with, with the Weinsteins because they were, they were kind of loyal in a weird way, but, uh, I mean, we'd never work with them again, even if, yeah. But. By, by the way, uh, drive angry. I watched that, uh, for the first time, not that long ago, I was, uh, sick and it came on and I was, I think I was watching, uh, What's the movie with The Rock? It's called just called Drive, maybe? Or Fast or something? I don't know. But for some reason, they were showing them back to back. And so I started watching it. And I had no idea what the movie was about going in. That's which, great. That's which, the best. Uh, it, yeah. It's exactly the best. I would recommend the mo- to watch. I have put it on Facebook. So I was like, you got to watch uh, Drive Angry, but don't don't watch the – don't even read anything about it. Anything. No, yeah. because no, if you don't know what's trailer. going on, it's amazing. Well, it's amazing anyway, but if you don't know what's going on, like it's just insane. I mean, I, I often hate to talk about it because most people have not, not seen it, and I don't want to give anything away, but – I do have the God Killer. <laughs> I highly recommend this. It. It's, it's honestly, I, it's my favorite movie that you've written. I, I think it's amazing. I, I I loved it. I absolutely. It was it was the most fun of anything that we've written. Now remember, we wrote this for Tom Atkins and Betsy Rue. Betsy Rue and Tom Atkins were both. Away. Yeah, we we wrote it with them in mind. What we wanted to do because we just come out of um, My Bloody Valentine, and My Bloody Valentine was a huge success, and so we fully expected that Lionsgate would come back to us and say, we want to do a sequel because that's where they make all their money. And so we had this idea. Yeah, we'll do your sequel. We had that all planned out. That's a complete separate story. But we, we were like, we'll do your sequel, but we also want to do this down and dirty little road movie. And we'll bring Tom Atkins in to play the lead. And we'll bring Betsy Rue in who everybody loved from, from Valentine. And, and they will be, and they will be the Nick and Amber parts. And, um, 
And we pitched it at Lionsgate and they were like, this is a great idea. And then the movie came out and we heard nothing. We heard crickets. And I, you know, there's a dozen reasons as to why that happened. But, uh, but uh, yeah, Drive Angry. And we hadn't written Drive Angry at that point. We just, we, we sort of had it planned. And, uh, and then when we couldn't, you know, when Bloody Valentine 2 didn't move forward, we were like, ah, oh, screw it. We'll just write Drive Angry. And we did. And it was so much fun. Yeah, it's it's great, especially uh, yeah. I'm watching it thinking like this is like so insane, and then there's a big twist, and then like oh okay, now it makes sense. But well, that I don't want to give the movie away because it really is fun to watch. If you but uh, how did Nicolas Cage get involved? Because he's like a, a you know he's Nicolas Cage, and he's he's pretty awesome in the movie. And it's well, kind of before he started doing roles where it's like really these. I mean, he's always kind of crazy, but. Like yeah. uh, it's before he started to do Mandy and a lot of like these really out there oh, yeah. roles. Yeah, he was more he had, mainstream stuff before this, I think. Yeah, yeah, he had definitely done some crazy stuff, but uh, he was. This was around the time when he had his IRS issues, and so he was doing a lot of work. I see. Okay. And he was doing movie after movie after movie, and um, and so. But what had happened is we had written the script, and when. Even early on when we wrote it, the you know it was it was about a guy who I don't know if we we're going to talk spoilers or not. I'm, I think it doesn't matter at this point. Or, no, I mean it's, it came out quite a while ago. But yeah. Yes, yeah. So we we wrote a movie about a guy who broke out of prison to rescue his granddaughter from a bunch of cultists. So we went back and forth as to whether it should be a daughter or a granddaughter. Does that make the lead actor look too old or sound too old? Because actors, when they read a script, they're looking at it going, "How's this going to make me look?" Do I want to look like a granddad? So, um, but that was, that was the story. And then later I came to Patrick and I said, what if he's not breaking out of, uh, what if he's not breaking out of uh, prison? What if he's breaking out of hell? And Patrick's like, no, we can't do that. Because then we'd have to show him breaking out of hell. And we argued back and forth for a long time on that. And then finally I said, no, 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 we don't have to show it. High Plains Drifter. He just, he just, he just materializes on the, on the horizon. And Patrick was like, oh yeah. And so, nowhere in the movie do we say he broke out of hell. I mean, at no point, but if you watch the trailer, that's the first line in the trailer. If you look at the poster, it says that right up on top. So it's the weirdest thing. And then, so because of the trailer, they came back to us after the trailer was done, they came back to us and said, you know what? We need to see him breaking out of hell in the beginning. So the last thing we ever did was after the movie was wrapped, we created that opening that didn't exist when we wrote it of them driving out of a CG hell, which looks stupid because if we were going to do that, we would have done it so that it looked great. But we, you know, when you've got like two weeks to do it, that's what we ended up with. So I don't even remember what your question was in the beginning. I got off on a tangent. Well, just how Nicolas Cage got involved. But uh, since you oh. said that, I remember when I was watching it, because I'll be honest, I wasn't paying that much attention when it started because it came on after something else to watch. So I thought almost that opening and it's not an knock the movie because I really love it. But I almost thought that opening wasn't to be taken literally. You know what I mean? It's kind of just like, oh, yeah, this guy's from hell, whatever. But, like, no, he's not literally from hell. And uh, so I didn't even think about it so much when I'm watching the movie. And then it's, all this madness is going on. And I'm like, this is so over the top. Like, how is this possible? And then, you know, I find out he's he's this demon. And I was yeah. like, oh, this movie really I mean, it was certainly not. It was certainly not the intention. I mean, there's there's a point. In but I think the, it just was to say. I think it works better if you didn't have that opening. Yeah, if, if you, you didn't, didn't have the find opening, out to later in the movie. But I've done that a lot. I mean, I did the same thing with Jason X. You, no one was supposed to know about Uber Jason. That was supposed to be the end of the movie. It, it right. takes place at the end of the movie. You're like 
60, 70 minutes into the movie when he's killed. And so you're supposed to think, this is it. He's not going back. It's over. The movie's over. Get your popcorn. Let's go. And then he comes back as this other thing. That was supposed to be the surprise. And it's on the poster and it's in the trailer. So, I mean, I, I give up on giving them twists because the marketing department's going to just put it everywhere. But, uh, but the way Nick got involved is we had a – after we finished the uh, – script we went out and a lot of people were interested and so we had we had a bunch of producers who wanted to come on and produce it and so we're meeting with producer after producer and we had a couple of producers who we really liked and in the in the 11th hour one of the agents called and said you know what? you need to meet with mike deluca because he's read the script and he really wants to meet you guys and i liked deluca because deluca had greenlit jason x and i thought well this is a nice little you know uh, circle life simba so we go back to the beginning with deluca so we go and meet him and it was, I, I've never had a meeting like that. I mean, he's quoting lines. He was quoting the, the pink dildo line. We, every producer we had met with, had, we, you know, they had like, this is what I would do. This is how I would fix your script. And so we were sort of conditioned to think that, okay, what, so we said to Mike, well, so what would you do to the script? And he was like, I'd shoot it. <laughs> so, so we were like, we left that meeting going, he's the guy. And, uh, and we pissed off a very powerful producer who wanted to do it. And he's, I think to this day, he still hates us because we didn't go with him. Yeah. And, um, and he went on and he's, he has a fine career. So let's not shed a salty tear for him, but um, he was pissed at us, but we went and we went and because DeLuca had done Ghost Rider, he sent it to Nick and, uh, and Nick read it. And when Nick got to the point where they're in the church, it wasn't a church at that time. It was actually a, the exact same scene that took place in the church took place on uh, on the interstate. It was a car crash, and they pull up to this car crash. But anyway, at that scene, there's there's something that happens, and he was like, "Oh, that was it. I'm in." And so he's been in. And so once he was in, the whole movie changed because it went from this down and dirty movie to a, a much bigger budgeted movie. Mm-hmm. Now we granted we didn't get any of that money, but but we thought we were going to get that money. I mean, as far as the budget, we thought the budget was going to have a lot of money, but it actually didn't have as much as we. The sex scene fight scene, I think, is one of the greatest uh, scenes in films. That's all. In action that's, film. all that's all, Patrick, because I was. Uh, <clears throat> he called me up, and I was working on because I would normally do a first draft, and he called me up, and he and all he said when I answered the phone, I was like, "Hello," and he was like, "They never stop fucking." I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, "I'll call you back." <laughs> And I just, and, but that's all he said. Like he didn't even tell me what he was talking about. I knew what he was talking about. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so I, just, I just wrote it. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine someone else besides Nicolas Cage playing that, that scene. Like I think it, uh, it wouldn't work with uh, well, I mean, anybody else. In, in the scene, he's naked. Like uh-huh. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the screenplay, he's naked. And I want to say a day or maybe the day that we shot it, he came back and said, no, nah, it wasn't the day, but it was very close. He said, yeah, I'm not going to take my clothes off. And we were like, wait, 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 what? And he was like, you know what? If he knows this fight is coming, he's not going to put himself in a vulnerable position. <laughs> and we were like, okay, well, you can't really argue with that. It makes sense. And so we had to write that in. So she's like, why don't you take your clothes off? <laughs> and so uh, welcome, to the, welcome to writing for uh, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Well, it worked for me. I, I did. It did work. It, it, yeah. I worked for it too. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, My Bloody Valentine. And uh, what's funny about that is uh, we were interviewing George Mihalka 
on um, Valentine's Day, and I asked them because it, it had just come out uh, on the new on uh, like the new sites that they were remaking it, and mm-hmm. so I asked him what he thought of it, and he had no idea. We broke the news to him that they were remaking my buddy about his movie on on the show, which is it's, it's up on the website. But he didn't know. That's what he says. Yeah, he didn't know that there was. He he was very shocked that they were remaking my bloody Melta. Well, he made a uh, according to him anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's, I'm, obviously that's that's possible. He uh, he made a uh, he made a good uh, he got a good payday on that one. Bless his heart. Mm-hmm. There's a controversy because uh, I like George Mahalka a lot. We had him on the show a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, Ray Sager, who we've had on the show, he takes credit for actually directing the original My Bloody Valentine. So really? I don't, yeah. So I know that's what he said on the show. And I, yeah. uh, I mean, both of them are very nice to me, so I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know if you know anything about this. I don't, I don't know anything about that. I know that, um, there was a significant line in the budget for, for them where they got, they got a tremendous amount of money. And I'm not sure. I mean, I get. I don't know why that is. Because normally, you you sell the rights completely when you write direct a movie. But uh, but they they retained something because they had a they they got a very good payday. They made more money off of the this. I would say they made more money off a sequel than the original. But I don't know that for certain. Now, how, did, how did how did how did that come about? I was I'm sorry. What did you say? I was saying it's enough that I was envious. So what were you saying? Oh, so I was saying, how did it come about that you know we're going to remake My Bloody Valentine? So Patrick and I had met on a movie called The Messengers. It wasn't called The Messengers at the time, and uh, it was a much different movie. He was he was brought in to direct it, and then I got replaced by Stuart Beatty, who did Collateral. Stuart was very hot at the time. He's doing everything. And so they brought him in and he did some rewrites and Patrick was there at the time. And then Patrick, uh, then the, the studio decided not to make the movie. Now, even though scream had come out and it had changed the, the industry, there were still places like revolution studios at the time. <clears throat> they just didn't want to do horror. And, uh, even new line, not new line, even Lionsgate at a point, they, they, even though they'd started with horror, they didn't really want to do it anymore. And so what, what ended up happening is uh, they brought in, they sold it to ghost house. It went, you know, it went through a whole bunch of changes and uh, Patrick and I remained friends over the course of that period. And then Patrick had been brought in to clean up. And because he had done all of this editing over the course of his career, he was oftentimes brought into in the 11th hour to clean up a movie or to do some reshoots, but it was always like, it was always uh, off the record. Like he was coming in privately. And so I know he was working on this one movie and I had reached out to him saying, Hey, how's it going? And uh, I think we were on the phone and he was, he was just a mess. Like he was like, it is not going well. I have a scene I have to shoot tomorrow. It doesn't work. I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, well, do you want me to take a look at it? He said, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, you can take a look at it. So I took a look at the scene, and I actually sat there, and I just rewrote the scene. And I didn't – I rewrote it so that it could still be shot in the place that it was. Like, I didn't, I didn't add actors. I didn't add – change the location. I wrote it – I rewrote it like it's going to shoot the next day. I sent it back to him, and he was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And he shot it and he ended up sending me two or three other scenes and did the exact same thing. 
I wasn't being paid. I wasn't official. I got no special thanks. It was just, but everyone involved knew I'd done it. And so when it came time for him to do my bloody Valentine, he was, he, he was at Lionsgate and he said, you know, let's, you know, why don't we send it to Todd? And they, and this, they had done this same movie and they remembered that I'd done this work on it. And they were like, absolutely. And so that's how, that's how I got involved with it. And, uh, but it was a weird time because the writers were about to go on strike. And uh, this was 2008, I believe. And then the writers did in fact go on strike. And so when it came time to pay me, they made an offer that was just silly. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. And uh, my agents and lawyers, they were all like, dude, there's, there's a million writers out of work right now. They're going to go to somebody else if you don't do it. I was like, all right, fine. So even though My Bloody Valentine made a, a ton of money, uh, I didn't. But, hey, you know, that's life. That's how it goes sometimes. Now, along those lines, do you think the, the writers uh, get enough credit in general? Or, um, I mean, not always, no. I mean, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, you know, writers come in and they don't do a very good job, and you have the crew has to fix the movie, being the director and everybody involved. And Like, I've had Gary Tunnicliffe come in, who did the blood work on, on Valentine. A lot, of those, a lot of those kills he came up with. So I get to take credit for that. So Gary made me look better than I actually am. But... Um, but then, you know, there are times like with Drive Angry, we didn't get, you know, nobody saw the movie for starters, so we didn't get a lot of credit for that. But, um, I mean, it's it's touch and go. It's hard to – I think writers should get a – I mean, there is no movie until the writers, you know, take a blank page and start writing something down. So I, I think they should get a little more credit. But, but I'm biased too. Uh, by the way, I really like Gary's uh, recent um, Hellraiser movie. Gary Hellraiser? Kind of cl- yeah. I think, is, it, I think it's it is, one of the better sequels. Of it is a great little movie. I mean, it is it is a legitimate good movie, and there's no money. You can tell there's no money there. But despite that, it's a really good little movie. I loved it. Yeah. I, it I think great. it's the first one in, in a long time that's original. There's like they're trying to do something new with it. Uh, there's some new characters and takes on things. Yeah, and he's fantastic. Like, he is legitimately a good actor. And and you know his character in the movie is weird as hell, and yeah, he was he played he plays a small part in, in Trick, and and just he I don't even think he has any dialogue, and it's just his facial reaction and the way he acts it's just brilliant. Like some people can do that and some people can't, and he is just a natural. Yeah, he's yeah he's a I forget the name of the character. Um, the, not the accountant, but say the accountant, like right? I was going to go to the same place with something like that. Yeah, it's the auditor or something. That's it. I think that's what it is. The auditor. The auditor. Yeah. yeah, and then John, or maybe that's because John Gulliger is is I like John Gulliger too, but he's really weird in the movie. Uh, yeah, he's a small role in it too, even a little smaller. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, he's I like always really weird, regardless. I think. Wait, yeah. is he the one who eats the paper? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, him yeah. and his dad are so different. Uh, John Gulliger and Clue Gulliger. Oh yeah, that's that's that. that well, I love them both though. But, yeah, yeah, much different people. Very different. Um, thing about Gary is, I mean, there's 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 quite literally nothing Gary can't do. He um, every movie that we've ever been on, he's always he always comes in as the effects guy, but he does so much more than that. He can do regular makeup. He can do he can do anything. 
Um, on set, I know for, for Trick, there was a moment when there was something supposed to be painted on a wall and Patrick didn't really like it. And Gary went up and just fixed it, you know, on the day. It was just, just really quick. He's just really smart. Plus, he's the only guy I know who could probably kill any one of us. <laughs> he is the only person I've ever met. And I'm a big guy. I won't mess with him. I'll mess with Tyler. I'll mess with, with Derek. I'll get my butt kicked, but I'll mess with him. But Gary, no. Gary has hurt me in ways that I don't even want to talk about. Really? I would not, <laughs> as, I would not expect yeah. that. Gary, Gary, oh, no. I know. He, he, he is a master, and he can, he can come up and touch your thumb in a way that will put you on your knees. He's just – like I don't – I would never mess with Gary. That's just – I, we we anytime we argue, I back down. No, nope, you're okay. <laughs> All right, you got it. I'm on your side, buddy. I'm intrigued now. Yeah, you should have, you know, learn the secrets. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to spoil. You should ask him about it. I won't go. I won't. I won't spoil it. But he'll he can tell you some stories that will uh, knock your socks off. I think he's got the record for our longest interview. It's like four hours long. So, but he's Is that never right? gotten into. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was pretty excited. I liked it. Yeah, I w- I well admit it's a little cheating because we recorded three and a half hours of one day and then like an hour of the next <laughs> day. But no one needs to know that. Oh, he's, I think no uh, one watches. Yeah, he he has story after story after story. <laughs> you have to be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, I was. It was good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I did not know that that he's a dangerous man. It's very interesting. He is indeed. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? Wondering what you're up to now. Obviously, we're all sort of quarantined. A lot of productions are halted. Are you writing a lot? I wasn't. At, I wasn't at first. I mean, currently, I'm in my tool shed. But uh, we. Uh, I guess I did 14 or 15 years worth of home improvement uh, in the last four months, and so that was the, the main thing I did. But currently, writing-wise, yes, I, I have written the whole time. Uh, Patrick and I have a movie that we just went out to an actor for, and uh, if the actor says yes, then we'll you know we'll move forward on that. Uh, I've got uh, I've got a horror movie that is planned and has been planned to shoot in uh, Glen Column Kill, Ireland, which was going to sh- we would have shot it by now, but uh, you know then we all got put on lockdown, and so that's there. And then there's a rock and roll biopic that I did. They would also shoot uh, in the UK and Ireland. And then um, I wrote a crime, a true story based on true story crime that happened here in California. And uh, what else? Oh, there's, there's something at Blumhouse right now that either they'll say yes or no to. Um, so, I mean, it's, but that's just the life of a writer. You always have to have 12 things, chasing 12 things just to get one job and, and, and maybe not even get that job. So it's a weird business. Have you ever uh, wanted to direct your own movie? Not really. My brain doesn't work that way. I like, I like the idea of producing, being in the background, making things happen in the background, but I've watched Patrick enough that I just, my brain doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I I would like it, but he, uh, I would, I would make mistakes. I would miss things. I would, my, you know, I can't, it's just, it's hard to explain other than I just know I don't see it. I don't see how it works. I'm, I'm much better on the page than, than I would be a director. Now, that may change, you know, down the road, but I don't think so. Uh, you brought up Trek, which is on Hulu right now for uh, people of Hulu. 
And um, uh, one of the things about it, I want to hear your take. Do you think uh, the new Batman trailer uh, took anything from from some of uh, from some some of Trick? I see a lot of similarities. I, I haven't movie, actually. But. I don't. I don't tend to watch. If I'm going to see a movie, I won't watch the trailer. So you'll have to tell me what what I missed because I don't even. I didn't watch it. Um, it would kind of spoil a uh, trick, I think. But uh, oh, okay. there's a there's a scene, a group of people in um, in the Batman trailer that look very similar to a scene in Trick. Okay, uh, I'll take a look at face painted. Group of face painted people. Looks very yeah, similar. I hadn't. Uh, I had not seen that. Trick is. Um, Trick is a movie that uh, um, it was it was a weird movie to shoot because we didn't have we didn't have it was one of you know it's the same story you never have enough money you never have enough time but this one was a, a strange one but I feel like we did a pretty decent job uh, despite all of the, the many challenges probably more challenges on that one than any of the other films that we did. It, I noticed it's really fast paced uh, slasher movie where a lot of like, so it's got a, it's got kind of the throwback feel to a slasher film, but a lot yeah. of those are like kind of a slow build till, you know, stuff happens, but this happens right away and it's just like uh relentless. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the intention. We wanted the opening to be just, just kind of batshit crazy. And if, and I think we accomplished that. They shot that, that opening scene, Patrick shot that in one day, tiny little basement. Um, everybody crowded into that thing and they just shot the crap out of it. But I mean, we clearly let you know in the first 30 seconds, what kind of movie you're watching. So there's no, yeah. <laughs> either you're going to watch it or you're not going to watch it. You'll know at that point. But, uh, but yeah, I love that all my props are out here in the, uh, Oh, nice. That's my, my trick. Now. That's pretty sweet. Which, uh, again, Tinnacliff made this. So, so it's got, uh, I shave with it most of the time. <laughs> Let's get a practical use, then. Yeah, it's a good back scratcher, too. Hmm. What else do you have in there in the shed? I know you have your head, obviously. I got my head. I got, you know, I got my skill saw if you need it. Hmm. I mean, this is just, uh, I always wanted a, you know, I always wanted the big garage with all the crap that I can build stuff, and so built this, and, uh, it's sort of the he she shed because um, I do I do all the building over here and she does all the painting over here. So she has her her spot. Well, she had some lips, but I guess the battery went dead. <laughs> so so this is uh this is She's cool. your wife or uh she's going to be. We were gonna get oh, married. Okay. We were gonna get married I thought maybe you have a different wig you put on when you're Oh no no, I have that too. Oh, I have the longer wig. It's more pinkish. Okay. But, uh, yeah, my uh, girlfriend, fiance, soon-to-be future wife, is uh, in Croatia right now doing the show. Oh, wow. So, uh, but, yeah, she, uh, uh, we were going to get married in Greece uh, a few months ago. And uh, that didn't happen because uh, you know, we're all in lockdown. So that'll happen later. And you're all invited. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We, we all appreciate that. Yeah. Yes, you should absolutely can. Small island in Greece. It'll be so much fun. We'll provide, <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll provide a place for you to, to hang your hat. And nice, yeah. Someone out there wants to wants to uh, help uh, facilitate that. That would be sweet. <laughs> well, Tom Atkins is in Trick, and you brought him up a couple times. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tom Atkins. Uh, how did you get involved working with Tom Atkins? He's a lovely man. I think it was a purely accidental because we were shooting in um, – 
we were shooting in Pennsylvania for Bloody Valentine. And somebody said to Patrick, you know, Tom lives there. You should see if Tom would be in the movie. And both of us were huge fans of Tom's because, you know, if you're growing up watching horror movies, you know, how do you not, you know, know Tom from Fog and Halloween 3 and on and on. And so, um, so we reached out to him and we became friends, like, like legitimate friends. Like we send each other handwritten letters and emails. Oh, nice. I, yeah, can, so I can picture Tom writing, uh, you know. I don't oh, think yeah. he's an e- email. He's a handwritten uh, letterman. I, like I mean, he's, he, he's, one of those, he's one of those old school guys who knows. I mean, he knows everybody. He was in Lethal Weapon. I mean, he knows everybody. And he's been doing it for ages. He was in Rockford Files. I mean, the guy's been, he's, he's classic Hollywood. And he has all these stories to tell, and he's just so lovely on set. And uh, this this movie that we're doing in uh, Ireland, I reached out to him. I said, "Hey, you think of the chances of you doing an Irish accent?" And he just went right into it. And <laughs> I was like, "All right, you're in." So he's gonna if we make this happen, he's gonna be the uh, he's gonna be one of our leads in, uh, in this, little, this little movie. Oh, sweet! I'm into this. How about this uh, the the Rock Row biopic? Is it about anybody we would know, or is it fictitious? It, or? It is. It is. Uh, it is about a band, but um, but I can't really talk about who the band is. But it, yes, it is. Uh, and I, I had a blast. It was. It was so much fun digging into the the research and, and writing that story. Because you know, normally, you know, for it's difficult because it's based on truth. So you can't like with with horror. You can if you hit a wall in the story, you can sort of create your way out of it. You can go wherever. You, but if you're telling a story that's based on fact, you tend can't really do that and so it's more of a challenge but it's a good it's a good fun script i would i would love to uh maybe in november i would have i would be able to talk about it more because i'm going I'm, I'm going back to ireland in november to uh look at locations and talk to uh the right people i reached a point where i don't want to um i don't want to write movies for somebody else anymore i've done that it's there's hardly any money in it I just want to make my own movies now. And so, uh, I mean, I'll still do, you know, I'll still pay the bills with somebody wants to hire me. Sure. I'm going to do it, but it's, it's a little disheartening to pour your heart into something and then you don't own it. You don't own any piece of it. So that's a little tough sometimes. So since you, uh, you know, you made this a silly question, I don't know, but said you don't want to direct when you say you want to write your own stuff, then uh, who would you like to work with as far as directors go? Um, I mean, I, I would still work with Patrick, obviously, but I would also, I like the idea of working with new, bringing in new directors, new talent, and giving them a chance. It's something, I, I mean, and this is horrible to say, but the most successful people I know in Hollywood tend to be dicks. That's because they look out for themselves, they put themselves first in almost every situation. And if you're going to make it in Hollywood, you have to be a dick. I, I don't want to do that. I, I have, have made peace with the idea that I'm never going to be a millionaire. I don't want to be a millionaire. I just want to, I want to make movies and tell good stories and, and make people, make people enjoy them and maybe they won't, but that's fine. That's, that's kind of what I want to do. And so to, to go off and do this on my own, like I, I, like I don't want to direct because I don't know how to direct, but I can certainly produce and I can give other people opportunities to come in and direct, come in and like when we, when we do a casting call, I feel bad. Like I want to give every one of them the job because I know that this is, this is, 
this is a life alter. Like I've gone in and pitched movies and, and, and needed to get the job desperately needed that job and then not get the job. And I know that the executive sitting there is going, they don't care. It's not something that they think about in their mind. It's like, well, you know, he wasn't right for the job. That's not true. I'm right for every job. I'm a very good writer. I always have been. And maybe that's egotistical, but that's the truth. You have to have that ego to do what we do out here. And so I feel horrible every time we do an audition. String of actors don't. Like I saw something the other day where Brie Larson's talking about how she went in an audition for Drive Ranger, and she was fantastic. She didn't get the job. And that obviously impacted her career. Maybe it saved her career because <laughs> nobody saw Drive Ranger. But... Uh, but I mean that kind of thing. So anyway, that's that's what I want to do. I want to write, and I want I want to have other people come in and direct. And I also want to bring in other writers and have and make their movies. So that's what I want to do. Where do you find directors? Uh, maybe this just me. I, I just don't know how this works. But like, um, so if you want, if you have an audition for an actor, they come in and they audition. But uh, if you if you're going to find a new director, where do you find them? How I mean, I think, the, I think the best way is. Directors who go out and do what Spielberg did, who did to go out and do what the hungry directors do, they make a short. Even if it's a short that they, they made on their cell phone, mm-hmm. you know, you can still pick up a lot from, like, I'm, I can, I, I know a decent director when I see it. I just don't know how to do it. I can recognize that, the, oh, this person is do, doing a really good job because they're doing stuff I would have never thought about doing. And so shorts are certainly the, for me, shorts would be the way to go. And, uh, you know, also people who have directed movies that, uh, well, hello, <laughs> directed movies that uh, didn't do, you know, a lot of people didn't see, smaller movies. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You can, you can find good directors. Sorry about that. It was opening. Hey, no, I, I, I've been sipping my coffee all day. Yeah. My white peach, uh, ginger, unsweetened seltzer. That's very good. Very nice. But uh, so the, as far as the shorts, uh, do you where, where where do you see them? Do you ever do the festivals or anything like that? No, but I ha- I mean people send me shorts all the time. I'll watch their shorts. Uh, you'll see it. You know, if you follow Twitter, certainly you'll see directors who's like, "Hey, check out my short." Facebook as well. Yeah. So it's never any shortage of being able to find find shorts. And then you know, for for the stuff that we're going to do in Ireland, a lot of it is also like I love. I love the fact that James Gunn has built a career for himself, but at the same time, he brought his friends with him. Like, you don't see that a lot. Like, you go to a James Gunn movie, you're going to see his brother, you're going to see his friends in the movie. Like, they all are a part of it. And uh, that's that. I like that. I like the idea of that. And, and you'll even see a Lloyd Kaufman uh, cameo because it's the exactly. guy who must start. Because, yeah, so it's a payback to to that sort of thing. So even though James is, is now in an A-list world, um, he's, you know, he still gives back. And so that's a, that's, I, I think that's a great thing. And I, I would like to do the same thing. So. Uh, I think it builds loyalty too. Cause I know like uh, when they didn't want him to do gardens of the galaxy, like uh, Dave Batista was, wasn't going to do the, the third one unless uh, he did it. Yeah. Uh, did I you have another question, that. Trista? Sorry. Oh, I was actually wondering if if you're strictly a screenwriter or if you ever write in any other format. I mean, I've done uh, I've done a number of comic books, which was oh, really? it's fun. 
Um, and then one comic book I wrote with um, F.J. DeSanto, who is um, – he's a guy I've known for ages, and he worked uh, – he was on he was on a, a couple of the Batman movies. He was on The Spirit. He's been on a bunch of DC stuff. And uh, he and I wrote this together, and then we sold it to Netflix with uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, attached and uh, Joe Robert Cold writing it. And so these guys are coming from Fruitville Station and and Black Panther, and so they're, you know, so we in that situation we're just we we're the creators. We're not writing it, but uh, we wrote the comic book that it's based on, and so we are a part of it. And um, and then I took uh, Dean Laurie and I were talking not long ago during when all of this started when you know everybody goes on lockdown taking some of the old scripts that we have and turning them into novels. And so I took this old thriller that Dean and I came up with this thing called thunder and just started writing it as a novel. And, uh, it's actually been a blast. And so I should finish probably into the month and then let's see if we can get it published. After all these, after 20 years of doing this, you end up with tons of unproduced screenplays. Which yeah. So why not see if Do we something can... with yeah yeah. It would be weird if it, you wrote it as screenplay, you know, it didn't get made. You write, you put it out as a novel, then someone likes the novel and they're like, hey, this would make a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that totally would not shock me because basically that happened with um, with the messengers. I wrote this story and for the messengers. I went in and met with Revolution Studios and they said, you know, do this. Uh, they wanted to do the uh, uh, the Shining on a farm. And so I came up with this whole concept uh, that that's not the movie that that they made. The movie they, they made was more of a ghost story. And um, and so they came back late years later. This guy, J.R. Young, was working for Ghost House Pictures, and J.R. read my original draft, which is silly that he would even do that um, because they'd already made the movie. And so he read my original draft and reached out to me, and he said, you know, we think we could make a prequel out of this. And I was like, Okay. And so it's the exact same script and I just tweaked it. So then, then they made a direct to DVD prequel out of it. Uh, it changed a little bit because Sam Raimi likes, likes killer scarecrows. And so, uh, Who does? But, yeah. So you write one script and you get two movies made out of the one script. So that's, that's rare. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Two for one yeah. deal. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, uh, AJ Zyla here says, uh, thank you for Jason X. Definitely has a lot of meaning to him. Uh, he brought up on our Facebook group that, uh, he, it was the last movie he saw with a friend of his who uh, passed away after. Aww. Well, thank, thank you, AJ. Appreciate that. And, uh, Gregory Paul Smith says, uh, my buddy Valentine 3d is the only movie. The only time my parents actually had fun and enjoyed the horror movie. I dragged them to. <laughs> Uh, well, they are. That's the greatest accomplishment yet. <laughs> tell, tell your parents, Gregory, that they did good. They, they've done. They've done well raising you. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of questions here on the Facebook group. Uh, some of them we already covered, but thanks for sending stuff in. Uh, well, that's interesting. Douglas Epps says, "Why space? Why not prehistoric time? Feudal Japan? I want to say medieval, Jason, but you kind of said it was. You wanted to do them in the future. <laughs> that was Doug." Doug, I can answer that for you. Because uh-huh. we didn't think of it. <laughs> prehistoric, <laughs> times, prehistoric times, Jason, would be fantastic. 
fantastic. <laughs> Voorhees Park. Yeah. Voorhees getting eaten <laughs> by, by a T-Rex and then come out through the belly later. Great. <laughs> yeah. Until he works. Just in a uh, shitty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, Mike uh, Hochins, uh, what was your first thought when you first saw Uber Jason? Well, Hochins, my first thought was probably Robocop. But then again, the guy who designed Robocop designed Uber Jason, so it, was, oh, well, that, it wasn't much of a strip. When I first. When I wrote it, in my head at least, I had uh, Judge Dredd. There's this character, I think he's called Mean Machine. Okay. And he's sort of robotic, and he, there's there's flesh, but there's like robotic, and it's 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 a gnarly look. Like, it looks painful. And so that's what I thought would happen, because this machine's broken, and it's pu- putting this guy back together, and it puts him back together poorly. So he's stronger, and he's got metallic parts, but that's at least that's what's in my head. Plus, I'm also thinking alien, where aliens very dirty and very dark, and and you know you don't get a you know get close looks. But but when we got on set, everything was very bright, very colorful, very Star Trek. And then Uber Jason, of course, was this was you know Robocop, which is great. I have no problem with it. It's just that's not what I was originally thinking. So when I first saw it, I was thinking, oh yeah, that that looks like Robocop. And then someone was like, well, I mean, he designed Robocop. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Makes uh, you know, people talk about Uber. I, I like uh, the opening scene when he's when Jason's chained to the floor. It's almost like old school Frankenstein when he's all chained down. And I, I love that too. And that was uh, that was late. That was late in the game. I don't remember when we. That wasn't in the original script. The original script started in the future. Like there was no crystal. There was no Crystal Lake facility or any of that. So that was late in the game. I don't remember how late. Um, it's funny. I. I uh, I've been going through old files and sort of I'm trying to back everything up. So, cause everything was just on one computer and I, every time I would change computers, I'd move everything to that computer, but I had no backup. Mm-hmm. So I've slowly been going through and backing everything up. So if anything happens and uh, I ran across a bunch of old notes from, uh, from Jimmy, from Jim Isaac, Jim Isaac's been gone for a while. And uh, it was just, I mean, it was like, I, I, I sat there and just teared up and, weeding through these things because you forget the process. You forget how much blood, sweat, and tears goes into anything. Jason X is a silly little movie where we put Jason in space, but Jimmy and I went back and forth constantly. Just every day we were sending stuff back and forth, and he was so passionate about it, and he wanted it to, even though it was this, we never thought of it in the way that, we never thought of Leprechaun in space. We never thought of any of the franchises that had done that. What we were thinking of was Alien. That was, that's where we, we, and Alien to us was a very prestigious film. It's a, and so we, that's what we were shooting for. And so we went back and forth a lot. And uh, it was just very, I wasn't expecting to see all of this correspondence back and forth in that time. And so it was a, it was a weird, uh, a weird experience because I'm so non-emotional. So, I say that with sarcasm. Right, right. I was hoping so. Seems like a good man. Uh, Tyler, uh, he says, uh, this show, without your head, and Jason X are both out of this world. Uh, Well, this show, yes. Jason X, he's he's a little, Tyler's a little nuts on that one. And he says, Trista needs a a Blair Witch stick doll or something in the background. That's what he suggests. (laughs) 
Uh, I like that idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, Eric Poe, uh, I want to tell him Jason X is my favorite Jason movie, and why couldn't he have written Leprechaun 4 in space? Uh, you can just be the space guy, apparently. Yeah, I would totally, I would totally do that. I have no problem with that. Um, <clears throat> AJ, uh, was there a bigger plan for the franchise when he wrote Jason X? The ending seemed to set up at least one sequel. Um, in the beginning, no. I read an article where Kevin Williamson uh, said that he had planned three movies for screen, which was a blatant lie. Um, he was he did that because he wanted to get two more movies out of it because he's brilliant. But uh, when I read that, I was like, and we I think I was in Toronto at the time. Uh, I was you no, know, actually, somebody showed it to me. I was doing an, in, an interview, maybe a Fango interview, and, um, and somebody had, had showed me this article where he'd said that. And so that's when I started thinking about it. And sure enough, we came up with, we had two more movies that we were going to, there were you know, two, two places to go. So I never thought the movie would, would fail. I thought, you know, I thought it would do okay, enough to get another sequel out of it. And, um, and I expected there would be, you know, several movies taking place in the future like that mm-hmm. and, uh, it just didn't go that way apparently there's a bunch of books which i've never oh, seen really? i'm not i'm not familiar with that actually yeah, i think there's a bunch of, of you know novels that sort of took the story on was the uh was the face uh freezing and then uh crushing scene was that written or was that something that came yeah that was written it was written but it was written late in the game as well uh a lot of times the kills will come late because they'll like the uh the screw the big giant screw that the guy falls on that came from an artist conception. Like the artist drew a bunch of these futuristic things and they saw that drawing and they were like, Oh yeah, we need that. And I wrote that scene based on this artist's drawing and then them going in and creating it. But um, yeah, we didn't have the uh, face freeze. That was Noel Cunningham, which was Sean's son. Noel called me out. Can't remember what he pitched. He he pitched uh, cryo freezing. It was different than what we have now, but I mean, that's all from him. I didn't think of it. And, uh, but it's, it's two part. Yeah. The idea is great, but the way they, the way the effects team pulled that off, I mean, it's, it's like, it's shocking how, how good that is. I mean, it, it, we got our own, uh, what's that show? The Mythbuster show out of it. I, mean, I don't know how many other Friday the 13th got their own Mythbuster. So that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Got that going for us. Yeah. This is a hell of an idea here, Tyler, in the chat room on the YouTube. He says, would you make a film called Maniacs in Space where all the horror icons are cryogenically frozen and then set to a planet to dethaw and battle each other? Like gladiators, I guess. That is fantastic. Um, years ago, in fact, the first time that I – I mentioned when I met uh, Tyler Main for the first time, Patrick and I were working on this thing called Slashers. And it was taking Tyler and Derek and Kane and T- Tony and all of these guys and putting them and they, they're like, I can't remember what it was. They escaped from a, an insane asylum. And then you take Kurt Russell and Jamie Lee Curtis and you take all the heroes mm-hmm. and you put them on the other side, you, ash in there. you know, like, like Kurt, like Kurt Russell is the mayor and Jamie Lee Curtis is the town sheriff. And, you know, you've got all of these guys in a little town where these guys escape from an insane asylum and, and we call it slashers. And so suddenly you've got this town of heroes battling this town of villains. We could not get 
anyone interested in it. It was crazy. We pitched it everywhere. But yes, take them all up and dump them on a planet and let them fight. And that's, uh, that's fantastic. That's, that's, that's the Mortal Kombat we all deserve. Yeah, you know? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and you can in a way you could then switch it where people would root for the because they they don't want to be slaves these gladiators and they could rise up and and, exactly. and and fight the aliens that are that are enslaving them to battle. And then you can have you know you then get to have uh, Derek or Tyler or Kane or somebody climb up and say, "Are you not entertained?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy in the chat. Uh, have you ever considered doing social media writer developmental seminars? Development seminars. I've done. No, I've never considered that. I have. Uh, I was asked to go to Australia and teach a, a writing seminar, and uh, where they paid to fly me there and paid to put me up. And and when they when they suggested this, I was like, yeah. So I went to Australia and did a writer seminar, which was fun. I um, I mean, I would. Yes, I, I've never thought of it, but I would certainly do that because I think. Uh, same thing happened to me. I wrote, and I mentioned this before, I wrote a script which was called Curses, and it was a fantasy script about three brothers and three sisters, not related, who fall in love. And then uh, a witch curses them so that by day they're the brothers and by night they're the sisters or vice versa. I can't remember. And uh, it's a goofy little, little story, and I sent it to, this is the first script I sent to Dean Laurie, and he read it. And he called me and he said, I just read 30 pages and I threw it in the trash because you have no idea how to structure a screenplay. He said, you've got some brilliant ideas and I can teach you the structure. And he did. He taught me how to structure a screenplay. And now it is, it's second nature. Like if I read a script and it doesn't do that, and it's, there's no rules when it comes to screenplays, but there are certainly people are trained to see and spot these certain things. And if these elements aren't there, your screenplay is not going to, to move on. Very rarely do you have a screenplay that breaks structure the way, say, Pulp Fiction breaks the structure that actually stands out and makes it. And um, so, yeah, I would love to I would love to pass that on. But, you know, who has the time when we're all locked down like this? It's very true. Uh, Justin Long uh, Lewis says uh, Slasher sounds amazing. He'd love to see it. Uh, Godzuka says you need to include Ash. That's a good one as well. Well, Ash was doing his own, I think. I heard, I think. Yeah, it's always like a rumor coming up that he would do uh, he, something like that. He had come up around around the same time. He he was he was wanting to do something similar to that. So, um, and we never reached out to him, I and mean, we probably should have just said, "Well, let's combine our efforts. Maybe we can get the silly thing made." But yeah, I think it was around the time when they people started to put out the thing that Jason was a uh, a deadite because there's the Oh yeah, There's some imagery and 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 uh, Jason goes to hell from um, from the Evil Dead movies, and then it's yeah. like, well, if he is a deadite, then you know he could battle Ash. And... Yeah, that's true. Uh, Justin, I would love it. no good, Justin. Yeah, no, I love it too. Uh, Justin, uh, Drive Angry Two is a po- is there still a possibility? I think there is absolutely not a possibility. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, that's, that's, I guess, that's a shame. But. I, look, I say that, you know, uh, I remember going to see uh, Big Trouble in Little China with Carpenter doing a Q&A after, and somebody was like, you know, is there going to be a sequel? And he was like, dude, the movie failed. Nobody's going to make this. And now they're actually making a sequel. So, or uh, I guess it's a sequel. A, a, a reboot. Rock, or, right? or, yeah, oh, they, 
I don't know if they shot that yet or if they just announced it. But uh, but yeah, it's supposed to be with The Rock and yeah. I mean, you know, anything's possible. But I, uh, you know, it's not a movie like I would love to work with Bill again. Bill was fantastic. We it did is weird uh, stuff like that though, because like I grew up loving uh, Big Trouble in Little China, the board game up here. But yeah. the uh, whoever thought they'd make a board game of it years later. And then it, it, now it's like a classic movie, but it, it you know it was just this weird movie that only weirdos liked uh, when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing it just like you saw Drive Angry. I knew nothing about it. I was on a date with this girl, and we went to the theater, and that was the poster that I'd never even heard of it. I hadn't seen the trailer, didn't know anything. But to see that movie, knowing nothing about it, that's just crazy. Uh-huh. Like, what is it? And so, you know, is it comedy? Is it horror? Is yes. it fantasy? It's just everything. That's the thing when people get really uh, fixated on uh, genre, and I think um, why do you, I don't know why people even worry what genre movie is. Like if you like it, you like it. Why does it matter? But something like that, it'd be hard to make today because it doesn't fit into any genre. No, it doesn't. And look, I think I think, and I'm almost certain this is a thing. Drive Angry didn't do well because when we tested it, people didn't know what it was. You know, is it a comedy? Is it a horror? Is it an action movie? Same thing with Princess Bride. Princess Bride is a cult classic, but nobody went to see it. Um, I think any time a movie crosses this genre, it's people have trouble wrapping their heads around it. It's a weird, it's a weird thing because my favorite movies tend to break those rules. Yeah, so, I like I mean, that kind of because I now you th- I think Drive Angry like if people would see this movie with a with a car and, and Nicholas Cage, you probably would think it's like a straight up action movie. And then I think a lot of people that it would appeal to might not be interested in a movie like that. So it, it's kind of a weird little uh, thing there. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a nutty little movie. Sorry. Yeah. But I definitely recommend it. Not that you hear. Uh, I recommended it before. I'm a big fan of it. She did. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. I, I assume this is from a movie. Uh, Chris says, who do you think you are? Who gives you the right... Assume that, I assume that's a line from a movie, or he's just being very rude. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have read it. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts? What are your favorite? Go on, sorry. Tell, tell him to elaborate. We want more. Yeah, we need we need uh, more. What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> Tyler, uh, not not Tyler Maine. Tyler Stevens. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your favorite Friday the Thirteenth other than Jason X? Uh, it's hard. To, it's hard. It's really hard to have a favorite. Jason Lives tends to leap out to me because that one was because uh, it was just so unique to me in my head. There, there was it brought a it introduced a bunch of new ideas. It was it was unique in in the way that it it, it sort of changed Jason, the Jason that we knew, because the previous Jason was not even in the movie. So it was. Uh, I know it's just, but that's, that's the first I, one where I think he's like the undead. I know some people argue he's always like undead, but I think that's the first one where he's like the zombie Jason or no, he's, and a no, supernatural I mean, one. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's he's certainly a supernatural Jason at that point, which is which is great. I have no problem with that, mm-hmm. um, and that's what allows him. I mean, at least in in Jason X, that's what allows him to come back because anybody else right. frozen like that wouldn't come back, but. Uh, it certainly wouldn't come back because two teenagers are, are bumping ugly. <laughs> right. So, uh, but that was all by, that was all by design anyway, because we didn't have a choice. We knew that DeLuca going in, we knew that DeLuca didn't want to do a Crystal Lake movie. So that's why it was, that's why we were talking about all these other places 
and we knew that he didn't like when Jason comes back because of magic or mysticism or lightning. So, so that's I was like, all right, well, two kids will be screwing, and that'll bring him back. It works. <laughs> right. We hate that. Um. Uh, Shannon, uh, Todd is a great writer, so entertaining. We had a Jason Space movie coming, and he saving and he saved it. Thank you, Todd. Keep him coming. You are very welcome, Shannon. Uh, Stephen, did you ever see the Saturday Night Live skit with David Spade and Victoria Jackson in which Jason attacks him on the space shuttle? Stephen, no. Wait, what is that again? I did Saturday, not Yeah, Saturday Night Live skit with David Spade and Victoria Jackson. No, I have not seen it. But I bet you it's on the YouTube. David it Spade is. and Victoria Jackson. I hear kids talking about this YouTube. I thought maybe it was just a fad, but I think it might take off. I don't know. And that's SNL? Yeah, that's what he says, yeah. I'm going to watch that. Uh, is there anything specific about the movie, that the finished movie, that you would have changed? Uh, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I would have right. said yes. But now I've softened to it. I mean, I like what it is now. I miss, uh, I miss the, 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 I miss the, the scary version that that we talked about making. Mm-hmm. I miss that. But at the same time, we're, we're 10 movies in at that point. I mean, how scary can it be? Jason's already fought a telekinetic and you know, everything about it has, had changed. He went to, he, he had an entire movie that take, took place on a boat that was called Jason Takes Manhattan. I mean, come on. Yes. It's a great poster, though. It is a fantastic poster. Yeah. Oh, wait, which one? Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason Takes Manhattan is a fantastic poster. And by the way, I love Jason X as a poster. I just wish Uber Jason was on the poster. poster. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, Yeah, I just tried to find the person who designed the poster for uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. I thought, oh, it's like, uh, I don't want to say it's the best part of the movie, but it's it's, uh, it's a good one. I like the head punch in the head off. It's pretty good. The head punch is a great one, which they probably filmed in Scranton. (laughs) Uh, Edwin Samuelson, uh, did you contribute to the upcoming Blu-ray set? Edwin, yes, I did. Uh, yes, I did. I contributed a lot. Uh, they Peter Brackey, or Brack, I actually don't know how to say his name, Brackey, I think, uh, who came out, he did the Crystal Lake Memoirs, the book. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw the big book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter came out to the house, and uh, we filmed – we filmed a whole bunch of new stuff, but this was to be like a year ago. And then uh, right before the release, Peter and I, while I was here in my fancy tool shed, uh, did a commentary together. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm glad that there's uh, – seems like commentaries kind of uh, – you don't see them too much anymore. And uh, that's always a big selling point for me to buy a, you know, a Blu-ray is, is uh, yeah. commentary. I don't know if it will make it, <clears throat> but when we got to the uh, – he had asked me about what I wanted to do in the future films. And so I pitched, uh, I gave him the pitch for the sequel to Jason X during the credits on, on the Jason X, uh, Jason X commentary. So the, I pitched the entire thing. And uh, so if you want to see both movies, then you'd have to pick up the uh, box set. But you know what the good news is? When you do stuff like that, you know what you get? They don't pay you. You get the box set. Oh, all right. I well. mean, that's the greatest thing ever. They are yeah. sending me the me. I'm this idiot in a tool shed, and they're sending me the box. <laughs> that's awesome. Pretty envious. That, yeah. That's yes. Really that is great. 
very excited about that. Yeah, I would be too. I'm just going to say I did something on the movie now to get back. <laughs> I think you should. You could try. <laughs> Call him yeah. up and say, hey. This is crazy Ralph. I know. It's not nice. quite that old, I guess. But uh, Godzuka wants to know, I, this isn't really a question for, for you. He wants to know what everyone else's favorite, uh, or she, I'm not sure, Godzuka, uh, what everyone else's favorite um, Friday the 13th film is. That answer is easy. Any of the others. I personally have always liked the uh, part four. Part four. Part four is uh I also like the look of part two, even though I know it's kind of it's basically copied from the, the town that dreaded yeah. sundown. But I do I'm think the, the, the hood looks kind of cool. Part two is great. I like part two, yeah. I, I think, think as some a kid, of the I watched of the best. original. The original. What did you say, Troy? The sound effect? No, I just like uh, like the visual effects in it. So oh, I think are great. Yeah, I like it too. I kind of like how they go together. The first four, they do. Well, I mean, four is four is uh, four brings in the element of um, of Corey Feldman. Mm-hmm. So that's. I mean, like Corey was a was he legitimate? Was he a he had been a kid actor for a while at that point, right? Yeah, because he was in Goonies and um, was he in Goonies before that? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. And Stand by Me. Anyway, he 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 brought a um, he brought a uh, a different layer to it, and that whole twist with him at the I mean, I I just it's a, it's a good it's a good movie. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And then they get the hunter, and but yeah, um, Corey Feldman's a especially then a really good actor. A lot of these we covered, so I'm not trying to repeat stuff. Uh, Tristan Risk, um, actor, uh, we did cover this though, but she there's a lot of people saying this, they want you to see you pen a whole slashers in space series. I mean, I would love it, it would be fun. I mean, we could, we couldn't, you could never have Michael and Jason and Freddie, but you could certainly bring those actors in to play something unique. And um, I don't know how you would do it, how you would feel now. The world, the world has completely changed. The way filming is done now is completely different. And um, it's, uh, I don't know how you would bring that many people together, but this, you know, this virus will go away eventually and not miraculously, but uh, when it does, we will, uh, I was wrong, by the way. I was corrected. Goonies was after Friday Thirteenth. I was, yeah. I seem like he's much younger in in that, but uh, I wasn't going to say anything. That's fine. I don't know the, what I'm talking about. You're the host. <laughs> <laughs> A name only, but yes. <laughs> and uh, Stand by Me was in '87. Stand by Me is a good movie, though. I love Stand good. by Me. Yeah, I think that's his best uh, performance. I would say. I uh, I will go on record to say that uh, Goonies is not my uh, not my favorite movie. Really, Stand by Me is a uh, is an excellent. Movie. Yeah, for a long time I always thought that was actually the best Stephen King movie uh, adaptation. Until I like there's that, a lot of a uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would yeah. I mean, I would certainly it was extremely well made. Uh, I like Dead Zone a lot. Like Dead Zone a ton. I just started re- uh, listening to the Dead Zone audiobook today. Oh, really? Real yeah, yeah, I never uh, read it. Yeah, Dead Zone is uh, Dead Zone's a fantastic book, and it's a I think it's a great movie. Absolutely. Yeah, Walken's great in that one. Walken just 
devours that movie. It yeah. is so good. Yeah, I just finished Cujo today, and then I started The Dead Zone. And Cujo is not an uplifting book for anybody out there. Who wants to <laughs> oh, know. it is not. <laughs> No, you do not walk away from that book going, oh, feel good book yeah. of the year. Oh, yes. No. It, this is a true story. Last night I was uh, I took a midnight walk, and I was when I was walking home because I walk every day, and uh, I, I was it was right at the point when the dog was uh, when the mom's stuck in the pinto and she's coming out and the dog's attacking her, and a coyote ran in front of me, and I was like, oh, this is a, this is very bad timing. Are you, are you uh, listening on Audible? Yeah, Audible. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the. I uh, I do the same thing. I'm I'm listening to a uh, David Bowie book, which I'm almost done with. But uh, and then I was thinking I was going to go back and do the stand because I, I have I listened to the stand for the first time because I always wanted to read it, and then um, it was right when the pandemic started, and it was like it's like a 48 hour runtime, and I was like, oh, I guess I have the time now. Perfect, yeah. But I'd started to listen to it right when the pandemic started, and right away I was like, I don't think this is a good thing to be listening to. <laughs> I, did, I did the same thing. I'd slowly been using my credits to to collect all the the King books on Audible, yeah. and I'd grabbed it, and I thought I'm going to listen to that, and then all this happened, and I'm like, I don't, I have to live with this every day. I don't want to yeah, listen. It was, to it. Yeah. Know. Later on, it gets a little more you know supernatural and and yeah. but the beginning is much more real and it wasn't something it wasn't good time oh, yeah i read it early on it's one of the first uh it's one of the first books that i read and uh, and i read it before the uh the big version came out i think now you could probably only yeah get this it. one is the extended one and it's it even has stuff that was added a lot, lot later because it was a little weird when i was listening to because he starts talking about like friday 13 or nightmare on elm street part three mm-hmm. and some stuff i was like I think then he write this in the seventies and they talk about like Rambo and and yeah. so I, and they added stuff I guess to make it seem like it was actually happening yeah. in the time. Yeah, it's that a it much. Uh, it's it's different. It's a different. Uh, I don't remember what parts. Are. I think it's different when they go into the. Uh, I think he even he says it was during his coke years when he when they're rebuilding and he just oh, yeah. he just goes nuts into the you know the minutia of rebuilding that's the one that's the one thing i don't uh, there's a there's a like probably honestly it's hundreds of pages in the middle that don't necessarily need to be in the book <laughs> yeah that's probably why they got cut out to start yeah cuz it's I all think, it's all it was, about like building a yeah. like running census I'm yeah, like that, I, yeah that's i'm sure they'd have to do this but i don't <laughs> really care you read that, and you can literally see between the lines. Oh yeah, he was coked out of his head. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying anything mean because he's admitted yeah. it. So it's oh, not yeah. like, uh, if you guys get pressed for something, like if you if you don't have a book coming up and you want to listen to a good one, uh, Joe Hill's The Fireman is real, real. The good. Fireman is great. Yeah, I did. Yeah, listen to yeah. It. yeah. It's got that same kind of vibe as, as yeah, the stand. You know. Yeah, he's a he's a good writer as well. I mean, he's, yeah, I like him a lot. And, uh, yeah, a, a lot of his stuff is really good. But um, I know what my favorite King book is. Salem's Lot. I think Salem's Lot was the first one I read. And uh, it may have – Salem's Lot or Pet Cemetery. I can't remember was the first one I read. Both of those screwed me up, though. Pet Cemetery, oh, yeah. especially. That, yeah, I uh, love Pet Cemetery. I've, uh, I've not read uh, Salem's Lot, though, even though I have a lot of Salem's Lot stuff here. But I've never, I've never read the book. Yeah, Salem's You'll Lot. like it now. Patrick and I, over the years, have, have, like we were going to do, we had bought the option for a Buick 8. Um, oh, nice. Ages ago. And uh, I think it's being done now. But uh, we uh, we wrote the pilot and wrote, had the whole 
at least the first season I worked out. We had rejoined uh, with DeLuca, and we went around town pitching it. And DeLuca had made up this artwork. And we were talking about, like, three-by-three three pieces of artwork, and they're stunning. And uh, and went around town and pitched it. It was This was right before the Dome. So King has had this massive resurgence in the last few years, and this that was right before it. And um, we just couldn't get anybody interested. And so then the problem is you get the option for a year. And then when the option lapses, it goes to somebody else. And the great thing is, is you can get a Stephen, you can option a Stephen King book or short story for $1. And uh, so, I mean, you just reach out to his agent. And if I saw a short film at a festival that did that, they, they, they um, made a, I forget which one, what the name of the, it was off a short story he wrote. And uh, they did it through that. They did it where they got it for a dollar and, and were able well, to apparently, it. Well, really apparently th- that dollar never actually changes hands. And so we didn't know that. So we went – so Patrick went to the bank and got a crisp $1 <laughs> and we sent it. And apparently apparently they, they were so overwhelmed by it, they sent it to King. So in all these years, I think maybe we're the only ones who actually gave the dollar. That's but uh, but just you know look if your if your project gets picked up Stephen King's going to make his money that's you know so it's it's not like but I love the fact that here's this guy who is extremely successful has millions and millions of books in print he's not gonna you know don't shed a salty tear for his financial situation but yet he doesn't stick it to writers who want to then create. I mean that's just a that's a marvelous thing. That's a, it's a lovely thing. He doesn't have. Oh, to he has good politics too. He absolutely does. He uh, he knows he knows what side he should be uh, on. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a good guy. I yeah. think. I agree, and he's and he's not afraid to to talk about it. No, he's not at all. <laughs> I think he is all out of uh, of concern over what people might think about him. Yeah. Uh, by the way, do you have a favorite King uh, book or, or movie, Trista? Oh, man. Um, well, I think, you know, the uh, Carrie was very important to me. Yeah. I mean, that Carrie scare at the end really got me, really got me as a kid. They say that's what uh, – we might not be here with Todd if it wasn't for Carrie because they say that's why they added the Jason jumping out of the you mm-hmm. know the water at the end because they're like, we need a, a Carrie scream for the end of the movie. Scream, yeah. And really, if you think about it, that, is really influential to movies because after that, like so many films, it's had a weird. The last it's a weird there. book, though. If you go back and read the book, it's it's like because I had read a number of books at that point and went back and read that, and it was like it's it, the way it's written, the style that it's written, and for that to be his first book, extremely unique. I don't think he's ever done anything like that since. Oh, not that I know of. Yeah, I don't think so. I read it a lot, like when I was in junior high, but I I, I might listen to it again on Audible. Yeah, it's, Audible's it's, not paying us, but I do like Audible. I do too. Do you have any of your uh, novels on uh, uh, audiobook? Me? Yeah. Oh, I haven't written any yet. It's just the one that. Oh, I all right. Well, never mind. Which, which, <laughs> but I would like it to be on Audible. Yeah. Who's gonna Who's gonna sit down and read these days? Like I can't. I I. Except for if I'm doing research, I can't remember the last time I actually sat down and read a book. It's everything's audible now, at least for me. I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I it all like, depends on who's reading the book. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I, I can listen to certain people read anything, but like I, I can't stand King himself when he reads his own stuff. It puts me to sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like it as much either. I um, Willem Dafoe read the Tommyknockers. Oh, ages. Wow. I don't know if that's even something you can get anymore because I had it on cassettes. So when I would drive to see my girlfriend at the time, I would just, I would, it was like a five-hour drive. I'd pop those, uh, I'd pop those cassettes in, and you know, every thirty minutes, you got to flip it over and then put it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, you, so you have this gigantic set of, you know, because it's a, it's. Uh, was it Tommy Knockers? Not one Tommy Knockers. Langoliers. Oh, okay. Wonderful Red Langoliers. And it was, I'd never heard anything like it because here you have this professional actor and he's doing all these different voices. And, you know, he's, and it was just, it was just stunning the way he did it. So when the movie came out later, it was weird for me to watch the movie because I had this in, you know, in my brain as to Willem Dafoe, you know, he was all these characters. Yeah. Yeah, I know the Max Brooks move, uh, books, um, they're done by like a whole oh. cast, uh, World War Z, and then his new one is too, which I haven't read it yet or listened to it. I haven't either. But World War Z, the the audio, the book is uh, much better oh, it's than just the best. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ wants to know, uh, the movie for Bloomhouse uh, uh, you mentioned earlier, is it an original or a remake, and are you allowed to say anything about it? Uh, the movie I mentioned to Blumhouse is, um, it is, and I can't, I can't get into what it is. It is, uh, it's based on a true story though. The, um, the first time that we, do you remember the Sentinel came out after Omen came out after Exorcist? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's about a girl who moves into an apartment that is the gateway to hell. So we, the first time we were going to work with Blumhouse, it was uh, to, to remake that because we had gone in wow. and talked to them and they were like, you know, what do you want to do? And we said, and we said, well, you know, well, what they did was they gave us the universal library and they said, we just cut a deal with universal. So is there any of this you would want to do? And we chose, um, we chose, uh, I think what we chose um, having a brain fart. What's the What's this John Carpenter movie with uh, Alice Cooper in it? Um, oh, something of darkness, right? Prince of darkness. Prince of darkness. Yes. Yeah. So we chose Prince yeah. of Darkness, and uh, and we went down that road. And Prince of Darkness, the rights are a mess. They're kind of all over the place. I think even Alice Cooper has a piece of Prince of Darkness. Wow. So we just couldn't uh, we couldn't do that one. So then we chose Sentinel, and uh, and we wrote a screenplay and. We never could uh, strike a deal because they were doing different deals back then. But uh, Sentinel would be a great one to uh, see come out one day. It's a weird business where you spend most of your time writing things that will never see the light of day. I didn't realize that you'd have so many things that, like, you'd start or, you know, have on the shelf and then they just never, never come through. Is that something you, you get used to? Um, I guess you have to at some level or else you go crazy. Yeah, that would get really frustrating, I would think. I mean, no, you know, like I have, since I'm sitting here at my computer, I have uh, a list of, because Patrick and I keep everything in a, in a file that we share, and I have a file called dead. <laughs> that, is, that is essentially everything that didn't get made. And wait a minute, Dead's in Google Drive, not Dropbox. So anybody trying to hack me will know I'm going into dr- Google Drive now. And then Dead. Oh, here we go, Dead. So there was Funhouse. We pitched Funhouse. Did we make a Funhouse, the original one? 
Yeah, we pitched a remake of Funhouse. I love the original. I love the three of them. Hellraiser, we did a ton of Hellraisers. Parasite, there's slashers that I talked about before. Um, Sentinel that I mentioned, Ghost Riders. Ghost Rider, two different Halloweens. Fright Night, Exorcist, Scanners, uh, Snake, which was a Pliskin remake. Um, Amityville, The Fly, just goes on and on and on. It's just not. This is not a business you want to join if if you if you like making movies. You need to you need to like not making movies. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Tristan and I watched a documentary, um, the Clapboard Jungle, and I remember Larry Fessenden, and it said that uh, shoemakers make shoes and filmmakers dream of making shoes. And that that really is stuck that with is, me. That, yeah, that's probably going to stick with me now. I like that. Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, that's just you know that's just the. Uh, that's the path we have to take. That's how, uh, it's just a part of it. And I'm okay with it. <clears throat> Where can people uh, follow you if they want to see what you're up to? If they, not to your shed here, but online. <laughs> I mean, uh, stalkers. I'm, I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that. It's uh, Todd underscore farmer. I mostly just bitch about Trump, but, um, but that, that I'll stop. Yeah, yeah. I did. Met, I did mention to Trista. I was like, he's on the he's he's uh, on the same side with us as far as politics. <laughs> I, uh, that's no secret. Uh-huh. <laughs> so people are always like, why, why don't you talk about movies and sex like you used to? Well, that that will come back probably in November. It's nope, just going to be movies yeah. and sex. Uh-huh. Hopefully, but. Uh, yeah. It is always weird to me, though, that people think that, like, um, uh, someone they, they like for movies or what, whatever they do, sports or whatever, that they shouldn't have an opinion on anything else. That, I, that never makes – I never quite understand that. Like, they're yeah. still a person. They're still a citizen. They, you know, why wouldn't I mean, you have an opinion on something? Like, I – the funny thing is I hear from – like, I post a lot of stuff, and I hear from people, especially on Facebook, because I went to – I, I grew up in a very small town population, you know, in small town, Kentucky, 4,500 people. And I went to a Christian college in Tennessee. So the people that I grew up with and the people that I went to college with tend to be conservatives. And like, I had one guy say to me, you know, within the last year, he was like, you know, being in Hollywood has changed you. And I was like, no, I, I, I always thought this way. That's why I'm in Hollywood. I might, cause I was always, Black lives always mattered to me. So that's why I moved to a bigger city. And when you move to a bigger city, you realize we're all pre- pre- predominantly the same. We have the same concerns. We, you know, in the horror genre, you peel our skin off, we all look exactly the same. So um, anyway, but now I'm in this fancy tool shed. <laughs> your head, your head by your side. Yeah. Can you see him? No, he's not too much at the moment, but he's made a he's made a few cameos here. I got all my Dungeon and Dragon stuff because oh, a good good oh, man. That's all you need. If you're gonna if you're gonna zoom, old oh, school. he's got that's old school. Old that's, school. Yeah. that's the way to go. Yep. Oh yeah, DM guy. Yeah. Not only is it old school, like I drew in it. Oh, the best it's, ones always have that. I was probably twelve or thirteen when I did this. So. Yeah, this one's old as old as crap. And then 
got all the others up here too. The old man. Ah, player's handbook. Yep. I got all my notes from the last game. Man, I haven't played D and D in ages. I know. But if we had any calendars left, Neil, we'd have to send them a calendar. Yeah, uh, we did a calendar last year in the cover. I, I think I sent the last one to Tristan. Has a player's handbook. Uh, oh, I don't know oh. what I did with it. I uh, oh here it is. I got, I got these. I got these off uh, eBay. Oh, old modules. The, the old uh, the old character. Oh, oh nice. character sheets. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I remember they cost a fortune. But <laughs> but I got them for a great deal. So, yeah. And then if you didn't have access to like a photocopier, you'd have to erase everything oh, to yeah. make the next character. So, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd run out of sheets, that's always the way. I don't have any of the character sheets out here. I think they're all inside. But you, know, you draw your own character sheets, and you know, yep. pieces, and they look like crap. <laughs> yeah. It, Here's the, it's uh, weird you mention that though, Troy, about the because now you think like anyone would have a copying machine or not even oh, a copying yeah. machine, but you could print it. All everyone's their printer, but Aaron, we're, yeah. it was hard to actually find someone to to. They'd have to oh, work yeah. somewhere. You'd have to walk down to like the, yeah, yeah. the library or something. Yeah, like I like this was back in the in the world where we would leave the house in the morning, and we would you know be home by ten. And so you wouldn't go home until 10. You'd be on your bike, and you would ride everywhere, all over that bike. You know, we'd go to – and I remember one day, we were like 12 or 13 years old, and we went to Walmart, and we, uh, and we found the red box, which was, I think, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. The blue box was the original. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, we, bought, we bought it. And, uh, like, this dice – this is the old, the old original dice, but you had to take a crayon and color it. Yeah, we mentioned yep. that some people, because the the uh, twenty sideds would only have zero to one, one to zero, twice, and so you'd have to color like yeah. one of them a different color, color so you knew they were yeah. the teens. Yeah, and then the twenty sided, you'd roll it so often that eventually it would get round. <laughs> yeah, it would never yeah. stop. Rolling. Yeah, yep. yeah. So. Yeah, we used to call those the relics because we we would play under the street light and the street joined our brothers, and uh, and and the old dice would get really worn out, especially when you're rolling them on the street. They'd, well, you know. somebody somebody asked me recently, like you know, what would you tell somebody who wants to be a screenwriter who's brand, you know, like a young person? I was like, play D and D because oh yeah, it, it definitely was, builds creativity. That was yeah. a, definitely a creativity builder, and and for me, I I was I tended to be the DM, and if you're imaginative you're probably going to survive oh, if yeah. you're just like depending on the dice you're going to die <laughs> but you know i would reward creativity in in my you know players and so and i can remember you know spinning like i got to a point where i would spend all this time on a, on a, a campaign and then we'd start on the campaign and the characters would take it down a different road and i have all this material that i'm just not using so i just stopped preparing it was just stream of consciousness every time I played. We ended up with the best games that way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Troy was usually a DM when we would play. But yeah, it's a, the best DMs are, you know, it's storytelling, not just, yeah. you know, like you said, just you have to follow this path and just kind of reading what's already been written. and all. Have you guys played over Zoom yet? No, actually. Oh. I know that's been brought up a few times. It's, it's actually, it's actually fun. I, I, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's been I mean, it's not as fun as you know, being. Yeah, still though, that would be pretty it's a similar. Step up from yeah, you know, from yeah. You know, at least there's interaction. Yeah. Like, I remember ever, the first. Go ahead. 
I'll just ask Trista, have you ever, did you ever play like old school Dungeons Dragons, like pen and paper? No, no, I haven't played. Todd, what were you going to say? Uh, I'm old, I forgot. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say that uh, the first time that I saw D&D, and I don't have the module in front of me, but it was a pink, the module cover was pink and it had mushrooms on it. Like uh, oh, like the shrieker keep on the Borderlands is that, oh, the, border that the one? Yep, that's the one. And don't so, ask me why I remember things <laughs> like that. But uh, that that's the one. And I remember uh, I went. We were on our bikes in the middle of the day, and we went to a friend's house. And his older brother was in the backyard at a card table with three other guys, and they were playing D and D. And I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, I you know I was playing Payday and Monopoly and. <laughs> You know that that stuff, and just this thing was just, and we immediately went and got our our lawn mowing money and went and bought the. <laughs> but there's no oh, doubt yeah. in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that that's a big part of, you know, my honing my creativity. And so, um, I would highly recommend it to anybody who uh, wants to be the creative type. Yeah, I agree. And I know, like the 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 video game stuff, that's fun and stuff, but it's nothing. Especially, you know, you get a group of people. There's actual interaction. Yeah, like interaction said, with Zoom, you can. Them, right? Yeah, even if you're not together, I could see how it would work with Zoom. I mean, I loved I loved EverQuest when it first came out, and uh, I, I was I was playing it with uh, Dean Laurie, who wrote Jason uh, Goes to Hell, and uh, and my wife at the time. We played it all the time, and. Uh, I can remember being genuinely pissed off that I had to go make Jason X because I wouldn't be able to play EverQuest <laughs> legitimately. So that's how that's how addictive the games could be back then because we'd never you know we'd never played anything like it. And um, but uh, and then also and I've said this before in other in other interviews and stuff, but from Jason X, Waylander, Sonaran, uh, Professor Lowe, they were all characters from EverQuest. Like they were all my friends. Oh, really? All, okay. with me. And so, uh, um, can't remember who all, but mo- most of them. But so it was, you know, it's just it was a big part of uh, Sonaran, which was one of the uh, one of the ships, was uh, Dean Laurie's character from EverQuest. So I mean, it, that all. I re- well, you mentioned the, one of the ships is called Tiamat, I think, in Jason X. Tiamat was from D and D, yeah. So yeah, yeah. the big the dragon. So it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly Dungeon Dragons massive influence on you know becoming a writer. Yeah, I remember years ago, um, uh, Vin Diesel was on Conan O'Brien, and he mentioned that his character Riddick from the Riddick movies yeah. was from a. No, it wasn't D and D, but it was a role playing game that he played like as a teenager. And ever since then, I was like, "Oh, well, I kind of, I gotta like the guy." Got a like, soft like, spot yeah, for him now, yeah. An old yeah. Uh, role playing game. No, it was, and I, you know, and the funny thing was, none of these guys that I hung out with on the game knew that I or Dean were were making movies until much later. And then the movie comes out; and it's got all their character names in it. And <laughs> pretty, That's pretty awesome. I love yeah. it. And then, uh, and then we all moved to uh, Warcraft. Oh yeah, Warcraft and, uh, was huge. And we stayed on Warcraft for ages, for years. And I was so—I mean, I wanted—I still—I I, love the Warcraft movie because I loved the game, but I wanted the movie to be so much better. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. 
and I love Moon Duncan Jones early stuff was fantastic. So yeah, I never watched the movie. It's uh, it's not it's not as good as as we wanted it to be. Yeah, that's why I didn't watch it. But yeah. I was yeah, I never played a lot of the later Warcrafts, but I played the original one when it was just the. You played the online though, right? No, I I played the old. Uh, oh, you the, played the. But those are fun too, though. Yeah. You played Zorg, just. Zorg. Yeah. Yeah, with the, the trees and down and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I loved those as well. And yep. uh, I don't think I wonder if you can still play them. I don't know that you can. Maybe you can. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what. I don't know. What, I don't have I know time you can play some of the older games on Xbox. I don't know if. Uh, hmm, to look into that. Yeah. Be, be nice and nostalgic to back up to that. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Did they ever make a Jason uh, role playing game of any kind? Well, they did have the the online one that was really popular until you know all the the rights came up about the. Um... Yeah, um, Derek and I did a stream one night where we went in and played with a bunch of people, and uh, oh, nice. it was just a massive dis- disaster because Derek oh. and I had no idea what we were doing, and so it was just it was just people killing us all night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember we trying get to, to see things from the other side on that one. Yeah, I, tra- time. I tried to get into it, but I hadn't played video games since like Nintendo 64, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. I kept getting killed and got frustrated. So. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I spent tons of time at Derek's, at Tyler's house. He was always playing Call of Duty, but he just lived for it. That was his game. And he was good at it, too. You'd get pissed off. <laughs> he played it all the time. When, when did you where did you meet Derek Mears like on, on a uh, movie or a convention or? first first time I met him was at uh, there was a big uh, Dark Delicacies had this big 30 year signing maybe 30 years but uh, Bloody Valentine had just come out and Freddy versus Jason was about to come out so that's when I first met Swift and Shannon and uh, that's when I met Derek. I think that's the first time I met Derek. Not including, you know, later years when, when Tyler and I went and toilet papered his house. <laughs> but uh, those were, uh, yeah, I think that was the first time I met him. And uh, Derek's, Derek is, Derek's a great, he's, he's legitimately a great, sweet human being. Like there are a few people quite, quite like him. He's, he's, he's a lovely fellow. And uh, I mean, Tyler, Tyler is too. Tyler and I are, uh, you know, we're the guys that got, got into bar fights. Derek is the one who's trained, but has not been in a fight. So it's, it's th- that dynamic was always interesting to me because he's the Tyler and I are just blunt instruments and Derek is a scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we all sort of uh, compliment one another. Yeah. Like, there'd be a lot of times like we'd take pictures together and you know Tyler Tyler and I we were the ones flipping the bird and Derek's just you know Derek's just being the calm <laughs> one. Or Tyler and I'd have our hands in our pants and Derek's just there. It's good the to first, the first ever panel I hosted at a convention, he was it was Derek um, Derek Mears, Brian Steele and um who's the guy Troy play? He played Leatherface in the in the remake. Um, Andrew oh, Bernarski. Yeah, he was much. Was I'll just say, guy. yeah, much different than the other two. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, the other guys were really mellow. And he wasn't. 
No, he he. We were we just. It was only about five or ten minutes in, and he's like, "How long is this? Is this panel?" And I was like, "They told me like a half hour." And he goes, "Nope." And he got up and know. walked out. I, was like, I don't okay. know if I ever met him, but I heard he was a dick. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, he is. yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever met him though. I was trying to be nice about it, but yeah. Have you met Brian Steele though? He's a really sweet guy. I, Brian Steele is a sweet yeah. guy, and I do believe that I have met him. Um, Looks kind of like Derek. They, they could be twins. Brian Brian was uh, Bigfoot in something. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's Bigfoot in the uh, in the in the Jack Links commercials. Yeah. Yeah, I I know I have. And met, he's in the new. We're not. He's a robot on um. What's the Lost in Space? The new. The oh, new Lost in Space on oh, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's yeah, a pred- I think they're both predators and predators. Derek and Brian. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. and Derek. Right. I'm pretty sure I've met him. I don't know where I've met him. Maybe at a convention or something. But I'm pretty sure I've met him. Because because I I've, I've done a couple of conventions with Derek and Tyler, and you know it's always a disaster because nobody wants. Mm-hmm. The writer to sign anything. Like I had this one guy come up to me with his mask, and it was just like he was all nervous, and he hands me the mask, and I'm looking at it, and I see Kane's name, and I see Derek's name, and I'm like, because I've got Jason X shit up behind me, and, and he's looking at it, and I'm like, you know, I'm not a Jason. And he was like, and he grabbed the mask and pulled it back. And I go, I'm just, I'm just, I just, I wrote Jason X, and he was like, and he moved away. And so, meanwhile, they have lines around the corner and out to the other end of the football field, and I'm just sitting there alone. So I don't do a lot of conventions because yeah. nobody cares. I hate to say I can relate, but I mean, I'm, we're I'm way further down, <laughs> and I and they would be nice. Uh, they'd be like, "Oh, we put you in this great spot. You're between." The cast of Fright Night and the cast of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I'm like, great. So I, so you sit there and and no one goes to your, or they stand at your table and either try to be nice and make small yeah. talk or don't pay. Could any you money. hold this while I have something signed by one of these people yeah, exactly. on either side? It's like yeah. okay. Like I've I've been to a convention when uh, everybody from Fright Night was there, and I just remember because you know at, at a certain point after the doors open, everybody comes in and just like this lines and lines and lines. But then almost always there will be a lull, and so I'm I'm just sitting there because I loved Fright Night, and you know we we've pitched Fright Night, we almost got the Fright Night job, which I'll come back to because that's not a bad story. And um, but I remember watching all of those guys that that you know it's just it was just so fun to see them just hanging there just chilling and talking and yeah they were really really cool people on the whole cast that was the same uh uh tom atkins was was at that one so it was derek scout was there tom was there uh, tyler was there and uh people kept buying us drinks <laughs> and and we so anyway it was it was to a point the next day i saw tom atkins and he was like I hate you too, because we got him so drunk. Oh my goodness, so drunk! I'm so happy he survived it because whew, there was a lot. That's the thing about the conventions is they just won't stop buying you drinks, and that part's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to tell you about Fright Night. Yeah, Fright Night. So after I may have the dates all wrong because uh, Lucier doesn't drink and has never drank, so he has all his brain cells. I, on the other hand, to compensate, do not have all mine. So memory does not work as well for me. But uh, we had um, 
DeLuca had reached out to us and said, Clint Culpepper, who I think ran Screen Gems at the time, he was the head of Screen Gems, has the rights to uh, frack money. And why don't we get together and go pitch it? And Roy Lee was there. I don't know if you know Roy Lee. Roy Lee has produced a ton of Asian horror films. And so I think maybe uh, The Ring, I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember. But anyway, Roy Lee was there. So we go in and we're pitching. and, And Patrick and I, and I think we even put it online at some point, our pitch, but we pitched the concept that Peter Vincent was a real actor. And in the world that we created, Tom Atkins playing himself and Jamie Lee Curtis playing herself have remade all of Peter Vincent's old movies. So they're in the remake business. That's what they do. And they've become very successful. Peter Vincent has since passed away, but they're doing the convention circuits and, and they're doing remakes. And so there's, and that's the whole thing. There's a vampire thing and the kid comes to them because they've been in all these remakes of Peter Vincent movies. And so they would obviously know how to kill a vampire. And so that was our pitch. And so we go in to pitch, Clint Culpepper, this idea, and we're maybe, maybe two minutes in, and there's a whole bunch of people. DeLuca is there, Roy Lee is there, all of these assistants, and everybody else is around this this giant uh, convent or table and uh, conference table. And see, that's the brain cell thing. It takes a while for the word to show up. And so, two minutes in, Clint goes, "Hey, guys, let me stop you for a second. I can tell everyone around the table." loves this you all get it i can see that you get it i don't get it so there's no reason for us to continue with this and i remember looking over at patrick going okay and so and deluca is the same way deluca was like all right and so meanwhile there are others in the room who are arguing with him and so we're like well okay let's go but by the way i love that he didn't get it we weren't going to move forward. There's no reason for us to perform, which is what we would do. Right, if it's not going to happen anyway, right? So, Waste so, more time. and yeah. Absolutely. So we left. And then I don't remember how long, maybe a month, maybe two months, DeLuca calls back and he says, Clint forgot to renew the rights, and I bought. So I've got a deal at DreamWorks. Let's go pitch it again. And so we went back to DreamWorks, and we pitched it this time fully. And they loved it. They did not eventually go with us. They ended up going with uh, Marty, and she went and wrote a wrote a fantastic screenplay, and you should go see it if you haven't. So, but that's the breaks. That's unfortunate, though. It is, but we got to pitch it twice, so that was cool. Yeah. When the remakes come up, like, how does that come up? Does is it something someone else like, hey, we're going to remake this movie? Go write a script, or do you like, hey, I, I would like to remake this. I'm going to write a script for it. It's normally they come to us. Or you hear that they're looking for somebody to remake something. Like I can remember going to pitch, I think it was The Fly, a remake of The Fly. And uh, I can't remember what the pitch, I couldn't even begin to tell you what the pitch was. But we went and we pitched it to, I think it was Fox. I can't remember who owns The Fly. I think it's Fox. And in the meeting, after we pitched it, you can t- sometimes you can tell when you go into a pitch meeting, you can tell when they're really into it. And then sometimes they're like yawning and they're just not like the, one of the worst pitches that we ever did was to Wes Craven and Wes Craven loves us, but he just, he was making cursed at the time and he was tired and he, he kept dozing off during the pitch. But um, this was one of those pitches at Fox where we're pitching the fly and they are totally into it. I mean, they absolutely love it. And at the end of the pitch amongst themselves, they start talking about 
okay, this is our franchise, this, the flock, this is our thing, this is our screen, this is our big franchise. So can we get, and then they start talking about all of these other writers and directors, can we get them to come in and, and, and make this movie? Not talking about our movie. <laughs> they want to bring somebody. So we're just standing there, and they've absolutely moved on to somebody else while we're in the room. I've never had that happen before. So that was fun. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's just going to be like, I don't know, very awkward. awkward. A little just, awkward. Yeah. It was like, you know, we're still here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's good, to find, it's good when you leave the meeting to know you don't have to wait around for the phone to ring. But at the same time, <laughs> you know. At least, yeah, at least pretend. Or be the other guy. Just say we're not interested. And Yeah. It's weird. Uh, Justin wants to know, is there a remake that you would just not do? Is there like a movie that you think like that should not be remade, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I mean, there. I don't have a problem with remakes. I mean, the, the original's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Some if it wasn't for remakes, we wouldn't have the thing. And, I know, I was saying, the thing, in the, fly, thing in the Fly are two of my favorite remakes. And they're... They're substantially different from the originals, but the originals yeah. still exist. I mean, The Fly, The Fly is a very good movie. The original Fly, mm-hmm. and and you know a lot of those concepts are still there. Um, so to update that, I mean, I always liked the idea that you take a movie that didn't have didn't have the money or the technology that you can put into a movie today, and so that's you know so by that I, I think remakes are a, a brilliant idea. But I mean, what, there was something I just heard. Maybe it's Escape from New York. Somebody was talking about a remake, and they were like, "No, you can't do that." Yes, actually, you can. You can remake any movie. It's just more. I don't. I never understood the. And people would get mad at us. You you see online people say, "Oh, I'm so tired of remakes. I'm so tired of sequels." Well, you know what? The remake that Patrick and I did is the biggest movie we've ever had. So people complain about it, but you went to see that one. Nobody saw Drive Angry, and Drive Angry is completely original. And nobody went. So maybe maybe that's not the best argument, but it feels like it is. No, I mean, uh, there are people who don't support uh, something original, or they you know download it or something. So if you do want new original things, uh, you should support the movie. I mean, that's kind of a different argument is about uh, piracy. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, I don't know. It's a uh, bring it up sometimes the show, but like online, I mean, a lot of people don't seem to think there's anything wrong with it, which is very strange to me. With with the piracy, with piracy, like fans will will get mad, like if you say like uh, you shouldn't, you know, download this movie or something. I mean, it it certainly kill. It certainly was part of what killed Jason X because piracy was brand new back then, and uh, I think it was Pirate Bay. Jason X was 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 filmed. We we shot it on film, but it was transferred to digital fully. And it was the first movie that had ever ever been done that way. And I can remember uh, Jimmy and David Hammond, who was the editor, on the phone with LucasArts because they were going to do something similar with the prequels. And so they were talking about you know they were calling us up this goofy little horror movie that had just transferred everything digital. And that's why parts of Jason X look, look really clean. And if you go back and look at movies from that same time period, you can see there's a, a much cleaner look to it. Um, now, for people who love film, obviously that's not there. But, uh, but as a result, because we were digital, it was very easy for us to upload. And somebody did. And so it was, it was everywhere. Uh, it was like Pirate Bay. It was their number one download for a while. And, and I, you know, 
So it hurt, certainly, because now you, some people will argue, well, you know, people who downloaded it weren't going to go see it anyway. And maybe that's the case, but... Um, I'm sure not, like, every single one, but there's, there's yeah. you know, like, for, I don't know how you'd even prove that one way or the other, but still, there'd have to be a percentage of those people that would have yeah. went to see it. I mean, I, I have two. I have two friends, former screenwriters, and they they would download movies all the time. And I was just like, "Dudes, what are what are you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" Look, I was so a huge, yeah, I, I I was a huge Napster user. Uh, I still have songs that I never found anywhere else. I found them on Napster, and I didn't. It didn't. I just didn't under, I didn't understand at the time. Didn't I? Didn't think what that meant. Mm-hmm. Now we know what that means. Now I don't use Napster. Now I pay for everything. I understand, you know, the difference. And by the way, Napster and digital has, to some degree, killed portions of the business. Um, and that's, you know, that's just part of it. But yeah, I, I'm downloading downloading movies is like it or not, it's bad. So. Oh no, I agree. I just think it's strange that there are, there's a lot of people who don't kind of like you're saying they just uh, they just see it as a I think they see it as a cheaper way to watch a movie and don't see why anyone would think there's something wrong with it. I mean, there's, there's a level of entitlement, certainly that, that's, you know, I deserve to watch this. And yeah, I, you know, I, I remember in a group I was kicked out, I was banned from it because it was a group like supporting independent. It was, I forget the name of it was something about supporting movies and they were showing, sharing all the torrents. And I was like, this isn't a way to share a movie. And they got also, they got, or not, not a good way to support a movie. And they all got mad at me. were saying like that I was being cruel to tell people, you know, that they should buy the movie. It was really strange. And like, no are, one came, no one was agreeing with me and they banned me. But how is that any different than walking into a Best Buy and just care, walking out with a TV? I don't understand or walking out with a DVD. What is the difference? It's still stealing mm-hmm. whether they, I mean, look, I, I hate that it's hurting people's fifis, but that's what it is. No, I agree. hundred percent. It was weird. It was even the, um, the Rob zombie, uh, three from hell group, which is a group for a specific movie. And they were sharing the link to download the movie. I was just that like, crazy. It's, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. You, you were, you were wise to, uh, to leave that group. Yeah. Well, they sure. kicked me. They banned me. But no, no. yeah. But of yeah. Own, of your own free will. <laughs> there. We'll do, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put it out that way. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are still saying they love uh, Jason X here in the chat room. So you guys know. I'm just reading the chat room. Sorry about that. Oh, do that. Yeah. I believe, uh, tr- I believe Troy had to go. He's sorry, but he has to go to work. He works on that. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, and we're 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 late night here because we're on the East Coast. Yeah. So do, uh, do you've done you know some more acting? Do you? Is that something you'd like to do more of? I know you pop up in um, things. No, no. no. I, right. I mean, I did. Um, I did uh, cheap thrills as a favor to a buddy. Um, I, um, I. I've been in a couple of Mike Mendez. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. Don't kill it. Yeah, don't kill it. I was in, uh, but that was also because I was—I can't remember how that came about. I was my daughter and ex-wife are in uh, Tennessee, and so I was in Tennessee visiting my daughter, and and uh, Mike was making his movie in Alabama, so it wasn't that far a drive. And I remember him saying, "Can you bring fireworks?" Because they didn't sell fireworks in Alabama, so I bought a trunk load of fireworks and <laughs> out there 
and they were all drunk and blowing things up. It was nuts. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> but, no, I, I would do it. I'd do it for friends, but it's not something I would want to do. It's a hard life. Uh, Angela Baker says, I saw Drive Angry opening weekend and loved it. Well, thank you, Angela. It was a, it was a tremendous amount of fun. I highly recommend it. So, uh, anyway, this has been awesome. I really enjoyed uh, – I'm sure everyone here enjoyed talking with you. Well, I, it, has, it has been my pleasure. I, I don't let just anyone into the tool show. Well, I, <laughs> I think we feel special here. In the tool show, we get to see the the, 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 the severed head, saw the, the wig. It's been, been a good time, I think. Well, when, I, when I grab the severed head, because normally it stuff's in my office. Maybe it's a scalp. That sounds cooler, I think, scalp. Yeah, scalp is good. Yeah. I, um, I, when I grabbed the head, I, I had this wig and I didn't remember to put it. So I just keep it on the severed head. <laughs> and when I grabbed the, when I grabbed it, the wig fell down. And I was like, well, I'll just put that on. <laughs> Cause it's stupid. I love it. Yeah. I know when I popped on, you were like, what's up with his hair? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen pictures, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm Wait, sure this not- isn't. <laughs> Do I even do I say it looks good? Maybe, maybe it really is. Maybe maybe it's his new thing. I don't know. I know you said you said like, yeah, your hair is nice. And I was like, thanks. I just, I just had it done. I know. I thought that was so nice of him. <laughs> yeah, she was like, he's normally not that nice. I don't know why. <laughs> he normally doesn't compliment people. I don't know. It certainly cracked me up, but. Well, thank you again. This has been a real treat, and you've yeah. been uh, so generous to answer so many questions and give us so much of your time. And well, was- and I felt like you were very honest in your answers. No, that- most of those were lies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, see, you should pursue acting, then. You're a very good yeah, actor. Good. I should look into that. <laughs> yeah. Mike Mendez is on to something, put you in these movies. Yeah, yeah he's a good guy, Mike Mendez. Yes, one of the uh, when we started the show, he's one of the first guests we had on the show in two thousand six. Really? I knew have him off, off MySpace. Uh huh. Have, have you seen his COVID videos? We'll go yeah, back they're they're amazing. He does Wait, all these little shorts guys. and he puts them on um, Instagram and yeah, and they're great. And, yeah, and he gets like Dolph Lundgren to do voices, and it's like these are pretty wild. I know it's absolutely wild. And by the way, if you go to his place, it's it's nuts. Like. We all have, you know, like you have your Frankenstein stuff and mummy and Wolfman in the background, but he has thousands of them and they're everywhere. So all of those toys that you see in those videos, I mean, his walls are covered. Like there is the bathroom is covered. The bedrooms are covered. The ceiling is covered. The kitchen is covered. They're everywhere. It is. I don't know how you dust a place like that. It is just nuts. Yeah. I like him even more now. Sounds very, sounds very cool. Oh, it, it's it's crazy. But I mean, he has he has everything. He's got this from the Simpsons to horror to you name it. He has got. If there's a figure out there, he's probably got it and several versions of it. It's crazy. Awesome. And uh, you know, we'd love to do this again sometime when you have uh, something cool coming out or just want to come and talk about something. You good? Right. Are we uh, are, are we on Twitter together? Uh, yeah, just today I think we, we uh, okay. followed each other. I, I, yeah, because I posted something today. I, I I did follow you back, right? Yeah, I think okay. I think I followed you back. Oh, look at you! <laughs> Just to throw it out there, I mean, but I, I I think I might have followed a different Todd Farmer, the wrong person. 
He's a good guy, though. Yeah. <laughs> I get his email. I get the wrong guy on the show. But... Like every now and then, I'll get a tweet. I'll get a tweet going. I think you're looking for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he gets it a lot. But... He does. He's the. Uh, I, I like to refer to him as the. Uh, he's a dot com guy. I like to refer to him as the better looking, much more successful version of Todd. <laughs> So, but guys, it has been an absolute. He pleasure. doesn't have a cool. He wouldn't let us in his shed. No, he definitely wouldn't, because he doesn't have a shed like this. Exactly. Screw He's that. Like a shed with, yeah. a, with a, a nice little curtain. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good shed. Kane was like on the beach when we had him on. I don't know what was going on there. No one knows what's going on with Kane. <laughs> Very true. That's just a part of it. Yeah. All right. Very good. We will talk to you soon. This has been awesome. Right. Thank you, guys. You Thank guys you. take care. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, and it was cool. Goodbye, everyone on the internet. And welcome back, Trista. It's good to have you Thank back. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be back. Yeah. Bye. Bye, everyone. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. We should have The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! They're coming night! Mostly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're